Hello everyone, it's me again with your quick content warning at the start of the episode. Uh, This episode will include discussions on sexual assault and prostitution, and it will also include quick mentions of suicide and Hitler. So, if any of those things bother you, beware. This will be a short one. Will it be? It's one more movie than last time. It's only ten movies. This is fine. This is fine. Um, We're also super luckily totally not hitting the era where all of these movies suddenly have loads of interesting facts about them. We are not or we are? Sadly, we are. Oh, I mean, that's good. That's fun. But, uh... It's good for the podcast, but not so good for the patience of our listeners. Yeah, you know, listeners, maybe listen to this one in bits, cut it up a little. Um... Listen to it over the span of a, of a week yeah, or so. Exactly. You have a month you until the next month. episode. Take some time. Yeah, sit down, chillax, grab some drinks, and we'll get into it. Let's roll the intro. So, welcome, uh, welcome to another episode here of, uh, of I'd Like to Thank My Wife, the podcast where we go back all the way to the first Academy Awards and watch every Academy Award nominated uh, movie for, for Best Picture, uh, all the way from then up until now. We are your hosts. Yeah. What do we, what do we say again? You, you are... Oh, you... I am E, Tiro's co-host. <laughs> And, uh, hello, and I'm Tijo East Coast. <laughs> the, the the day when you have to remind this woman of her own bloody name after it's, six it's months. Experience, oh. Isn't it? oh, six months! This is a this is an anniversary episode, sort of. If we don't count episode zero, yeah, this is our anniversary episode. Happy yeah. anniversary! Happy anniversary! I think it will be a I'm good ver- one. Yeah, I'm I'm very glad because there's a there's a few really interesting bits uh, nice. that, that are going to happen this episode that I find very fitting for an anniversary episode. Okay, well. Why don't you welcome us to the sixth Academy Awards? The sixth, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the sixth Academy Awards, uh, held on March sixteenth, nineteen thirty-four, to honor films released between August first, nineteen thirty-two, and December thirty-first, nineteen thirty-three. That is a long time frame. Yeah. And the reason for that is that they've they finally made a change in the eligibility rules. Uh, oh, essentially, finally, this is the yes, finally yes. yes on our on our little anniversary episode here. This is the final wonky time frame we have, um, seventeen months. After this, the eligibility period would just coincide with the calendar year. Uh, they've okay. they've finally seen sense. Yes, finally. <laughs> yes. Because I think the last Academy Awards that we did, the fifth ones, were also still held in nineteen thirty two, right? Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I think so, maybe. I think so, and this is 1934, so we we skipped a year. It was a it was a it was a messy uh, messy one. There've been some slightly interesting uh, things happening this year, but we'll get to a lot of these during the actual movies. Mm. Um, Generally, this was the last time that no film had more than four nominations. Um, and it is the only year in Academy history in which no film other than the Best Picture nominees received multiple nominations. Damn. Oh, my God. Always these kinds of... 
I think as lo- as we get into the later years, we're gonna get less and less of these kind of facts. But oh yeah, it's gonna get a lot more standardized. But you know, early Hollywood is wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we we have a few interesting ones. Obviously, there was a Catherine Hepburn movie in this one, uh, and she was nominated for Best Actress, just not for the movie that we saw her in. So that's interesting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the awards that we have this year, obviously, Outstanding Production, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Original Story, Best Adaptation, Best Art Direction, Cinematography. Uh, then there's the three short subjects, which is short comedy, short novelty, and short cartoon. Okay. Then there's Best Sound Recording, because we're still, you know, just barely off the off the heels of the start of the mm-hmm. talkies. And then there's a really interesting new one that's been added, uh, which is Best Assistant Director. Oh, what? I mean, that's really cool, but also how do you judge that? Oddly specific, right? Um, yeah. But essentially they just picked a bunch of people. This was studio-based, so there okay. was just a bunch of people per studio that they they nominated for this it wasn't for their work on a particular movie as mm. best director was so this is uh, yeah just just overall um overall chill okay i like it i i mean it's good to honor these people i think i just also think it's kind of hard to judge assistant directing <laughs> It's incredibly specific. Yeah, th- there was also genuinely. Hang on, let me quickly count them. Uh, uh, yeah, approximately twenty nominees for this. So, oh wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't imagine this being you know a- an easy category to to do anything in. Yeah. So yeah, the the only little interesting fact I have here about the awards generally is that uh, Walt Disney became the first person this year to win consecutive academy awards he won yeah yeah, he won best short subject cartoon for the three little pigs uh and he won that same award last year for uh, flowers and trees yeah that makes sense that's gonna we're gonna have him around a lot i think (laughs) he's gonna be there a a couple times Mm. yeah um so yeah i think without further ado we can make our way into the nominees Yeah, so this year we have 10 movies. There is quite a bit of them. 10 fucking movies. But I'm excited to talk about them. Me too. Alphabetically again? Yes, let's let's do the alphabetical thing, which would... 42nd Street. Yeah, we're getting 42nd Street. Okay, okay. 42nd Street, the movie so successful, it saved Warner Brothers from bankruptcy. And you know what? As it should. Oh my god, I had so much fun with this movie. I've Wait for real? Yes, you did. Well, I no no, I thought it was good. I just I didn't Oh no. I, I might not this is one of those maybe that I did not like as much as you did, even though I think it was very good. I'm in love. I have listened to the music of this movie after watching the movie. Like it's been just I've been playing it on YouTube, I've been showing it to friends, I've been talking about this movie to other people. I'm Holy shit. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Oh fuck. <laughs> I was not expecting that, honestly. That is... Wow. That is something. Yeah. So, the movie is about a girl named Peggy, mostly. She's the main character. And she is trying to get into the showbiz, uh, theater, musical. And she does audition, but she meets some friends there who are able to kind of get her in with the 40 dancers. So, she gets to be one of the 40 dancers. And um, the main actress of the play of the musical is Dorothy but Dorothy breaks her ankle (laughs) and that is when Peggy has to step in and then the last half hour of this one and a half hour movie is basically just numbers from the musical and it's amazing because it's so extravagant and there's all these people dancing all the stages are crazy like 
they have so many people and then turning stages and they have this whole bit that is not even on the stage but they pretend it's on the stage it's on the street oh, yeah. and it's so many people was, just walking it was around wildly fucking impressive yeah. it was amazing and then they have the bangers of songs i'm young and healthy Oh my god, I've been listening to this. I'm so upset that this is not on Spotify. I mean, there's some songs on Spotify, but it's not the 1933 version because no, yeah, they remakes. they adapted it into a into a stage musical in the 80s, which yeah. is probably what what you can which find is on Spotify. Great, but that's not what I'm looking for here. Um. No, that makes sense. Editing E here. Um, it is actually on Spotify. I lied. Uh, you can find the 42nd Street songs from 1933 under the name of Dick Powell, who played Billy in the movie back to the podcast but yeah great movie yeah no it was it was pretty good this is essentially like one of the first examples of a backstage musical Mm -hmm. which is a musical about being in a musical um and it's a really interesting thing because essentially these these are musicals in name but they don't follow the structure of like having songs that advance the plot or having songs that yeah. do something for the characters the all of the music in this is diegetic yeah um and this is this is widely recognized as like one of the first backstage musicals and it it, it kicked off the genre mm-hmm. um and yeah no rightfully so it was it was really good yeah it's you don't even hear any numbers i think until they get around to doing the actual musical or very little the first yeah, there's, hour some, there's is, some rehearsals. Yeah, there's some rehearsals, but the first hour is really story-based, and then the last half hour is really like, okay, this is what... Yeah, it's just entertainment, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's... No, it, it it's really, really solid. Yeah, and there's, like, a bunch of other characters, which is not really relevant to name, I guess. Uh, it's There's the director, who is kind of... He it's says severely he does overworked. Th- yeah, he's severely yeah. overworked. <laughs> he does this for the money, but uh, just trying to get everyone to do a good job. Um, mm. And, you know, you have Billy, who is the guy that is in love with Peggy, but Peggy also seems to kind of be in love that the guy that Dorothy is in love with, but that doesn't really yeah, it's work all, out. It's, it's it's a, there's a, a lot of things going yeah. on. Not super relevant, uh, but it does make the movie fun to watch, I think. There's a lot. Absolutely. Um, I have I've one favorite quote from this written down, um, which was, I'll either have a live leading lady or a dead chorus girl. <laughs> yes, yes. When they have to choose who to uh, replace no, they, Dorothy they, with. No, no, no. It's, um, they, he, she's like, it's five hours before showtime and he's like, I need to rehearse this person who hasn't done any, any of this in her life. We have five hours to get her there. Mm. She's going to potentially die from stress, but I'll either have a live leading lady or a dead chorus girl. Like These are the options. Um, I have two quotes, one of which is Peggy asking one of the men, are you here for business or pleasure? And he says, I don't know yet, but it's a job. (laughs) Which, you know what? Uh Uh, And the director, when he hears about Dorothy's broken ankle, (laughs) a broken ankle? It's too bad it wasn't her neck. Jesus, calm down. (laughs) This guy is very intense. But I kind of, I still liked him. I don't know. He's kind of likable. All of these characters were surprisingly likable. Yes. So yeah, I I mean, I have some fun facts about this movie if you want them. Um, let let me quickly see. I'll go through my notes before. uh, Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I liked Peggy a lot. Main actress. Mm main character but also the actress she's just very likable she's kind of a little bit naive a little bit yeah. clueless but I, I, i'm i'm gonna quickly hook in on that with a yeah. fun fact uh this was her first movie ever 
Oh, just as in the movie where it's her first musical her play first ever. first show ever, But I yeah, think um, this kicked off her career, probably. Very much so. And not only did it kick off her career, uh, Dick Powell, the guy who played um, her romantic interest. Billy, yeah. Uh, yeah, Billy. Also kicked off his career. They were stringed together for another seven movies or something. Oh, I like that. Uh, so yeah, they had a they had a really good run after this. Yeah, nice. I like that. I really liked her. I don't... I don't immediately see what everyone saw with, oh my god, she's so good, she's so good, when she was, especially with the musical numbers, but I no, do like no, her. No, she was, uh, she was so good, though. I mean, the t- she can tap, she can tap really fucking well. She can tap real good, to be fair, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And all these girls can sing very well, to be fair. It's also kind of hard to judge because of the sound quality, right, of the 1930s. Mm, like, oh, everyone kind of sounds the same. <laughs> I also this is a this is an issue that was completely on me, but um, Ruby Keeler, who plays Peggy, I I thought she looked very similar to Bebe, Bebe Daniels, who plays Dorothy, and mm. so I yes. I had some trouble keeping them apart in the first bit. I was I was yeah. a bit confused. I get that. I think I had that for the first few minutes as well, where it's yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I get that. Took, they have the same hairstyle. Yeah, Peggy has a slightly more innocent face, I think, but. This is absolutely true. Like, at the moment when you realize they're different people, you can tell them apart, but it took me a while to realize that because Dorothy doesn't really get an introduction scene the way that mm-hmm. um, that Peggy does. Dorothy is just at some point sort of thrown into the movie and you're like, okay, this makes sense, but also it did not make sense to me. I was just like, ah, yes, another scene with Peggy. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> me with the guys from... Um... <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. Uh, the fine lady, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I've been... My notes are a lot about hyping Peggy up. Just, yes, give Peggy the role. Yes, Peggy, have those boundaries. <laughs> I <laughs> like did. Peggy a lot. She did, she did some solid boundaries. Peggy was great. Mm-hmm. Habit with Me is a banger. I still think Young and Healthy is an absolute banger. The last one, 42nd Street, also a banger. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, performances and mostly set pieces. Set pieces were really cool. Yeah. Oh no, the choreographies were fucking yeah. phenomenal. There is one moment where the director is training Peggy for those five hours before she has to go mm-hmm. up and actually be the main character. And he's like, you need to say it with more passion. Haven't you ever like kissed a guy before? And she's like, no. And then he kisses her and it's super fucking uncomfortable and you yep. should not have done that. And then after that, she says the line better as well, as if it works. That would not well, work. <laughs> so, so this is so this is even more interesting. Um, something very vital about the director was changed from the original. This was based on a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and something very vital about the director was changed. And on that scene, can you guess what they changed about the director? Oh no, you did it used to be worse? No, no, oh. in fact, I think it used to be less bad. Oh, okay, so at first Not not much less bad, but Then I'm not sure he didn't kiss her, I guess. Oh no, he did. Oh, he did. But uh he was gay. Oh. He was he was a homosexual. Um which is also why like they they changed him from like he's no longer gay in the movie or explicitly mm-hmm. but he still has these scenes where you know he's sort of unfazed by all these girls showing off their legs and um, right. he asks what's his face to spend the night with him um oh oh yeah, yeah. he's like assistant yeah. director he asks but oh 
Yep, and Billy in the novel is bisexual because he is originally in a relationship with the director. Oh my god. And the yeah, novel they, they was very a... early. That was like 19... Well, yep. Absolutely. That's um, sick. But you know, the Hays Code is here now, so... Can't do that anymore. Can't I do that anymore. I think officially they classify this as pre-code because... Yeah, it's it's before it goes into full effect, but people yeah. are already sort of like in in that general direction. Yeah. For to anyone, be fair, this movie... For anyone that didn't listen to our last episode, Hays Code, a uh, big thing where they uh, self... Censure. They self-censor like censor. like crazy. Yeah. Um yeah, no, so this is this is um this is wild. Because the fact that this movie even got made is, is kind of kind of a miracle. Mm-hmm. Essentially way back in nineteen thirty, Universal re- released a movie called The King of Jazz, and it was so genuinely dog shit that it um and I'm I'm gonna quote this had put an unofficial moratorium on the musical. Yes, no other studio wanted to risk producing one, but Warner's decided, ah, fuck it, might as well. And it's good that they did, because this movie single-handedly rescued the genre. Hell Um, yes. After this, like, throughout 1933, they would shy away a little bit, but from 1934, musicals were back in, baby. Warner Brothers already had, like, two more musical movies in development while they were making this one. They were they were very assured that this shit was going to work, and it did. Yeah, they were slaying a bit. They were slaying a little bit. They were, in fact, slaying a little bit. Uh, another fun fact is that this movie was originally supposed to be directed by Mervyn Leroy, who directed uh, one of her other nominees, I'm a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. Uh-huh. And I think this... I, th- I think I've read this elsewhere as well. He was supposed to direct originally, like, three or four of these movies... Um, but he had to pull out from a lot of them. He pulled out from this one because he was sick. Uh, there's another one where he had to pull out because, um, like, r- shooting for Chain Gang ran over. Like, he was originally supposed to be responsible for a lot more of these movies, but mm. uh, did, did not did not end up happening. That's too bad for him. Yeah. We have one actor, the guy that puts money into the theater and is kind of a creep. He is also in another movie that we're going to talk about later. Is he now? Wait, let me check. His character's name is Abner Dillon, and his, the actor's yeah. name is Guy Oh, TV, right. And he is he's in, also uh, in uh, he's the Lady judge for in Day. Lady for a Day. Well, there's another one you might have missed. Uh, oh. The director was played by Warner Baxter. Oh, let's go. Our 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 good old Arizona kid. Yeah. Oh, I would not. I would not have been able to tell you at all. Yeah. But now that you no, say also... it, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Same. This took me. Uh, took me reading it to realize. Mm. So yeah, good movie. Really good, good really movie. strong start. Yes, uh, for, for this podcast. Strong start. Yes, I'm. Ah, uh, love, 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 love. Um. So next, next up. Yes, I think that would be a farewell to arms. It is indeed a farewell to arms. Uh, a movie based on a Hemingway novel. A Hemingway novel. I haven't read. Might I add? I've I've read a couple, but not this one. I've not read this one specifically. None. I've read n- none of them. He's um. <laughs> He he certainly is one okay. of the writers. Okay. Well, the movie, to me, extremely forgettable. Extremely forgettable. Yeah, I, I forgot it about right. it the day after I watched it. I. <laughs> For me, this movie it sort of shows the the consistent trend of mm. um, Hollywood at this point still being very into war is very very bad movies. Yeah. Like. We've have we have I think uh, at least two or three more of these in yes. the in the pile, 
And it's good. It's a good message. But, you know, at some point, uh, you've seen a couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you've, you've seen a few. Yeah, and out of those, I think this was one of the more boring ones. I think from this the was one of the weaker of this ones. year, this was my least favorite. I don't think it was necessarily bad. It's just meh. Yeah, it's also, again, one of those where they just sort of push this, this whirlwind romance that doesn't mm-hmm. really... I. So, okay. I'm going to need your opinion on this. Yes. Because I felt like when they first slept together in the garden, mm-hmm. that had a bit of a rapey vibe yep. to it. Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, good. Very glad, very glad I was not the only one. No, I saw um, that, and I was like, oh, this movie's gonna go down a dark route, and then they just pretend like it was consensual, but it yeah, really she wasn't. Very, she says no, like, three times, and he yes. just keeps going, and afterwards she's just like, oh, I'm so in love with you now, and I was yeah. like, girly, what? Yeah, I was also very Madam? confused about that. I was so sure that they, this the two main characters were not going to be a thing because it it really read as rape. Yeah. Bad. Massively read as rape. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. But yeah, no, totally in love with him. She was uh, all good. All good suddenly. Deeply, uh, deeply, deeply Deeply in love. Deeply fine. Yeah. And then we're supposed to believe throughout the whole movie. There's also not that much chemistry, I don't think, even after that. There really isn't. No. 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 Yeah, no, as because I do, listen, you know that I'm a bit of a hopeless romantic. Mm-hmm. You know that I love me a good whirlwind romance. Yes. But this was not a very good whirlwind romance. No. This was no. just two people who didn't really seem to like each other, uh, but we were told that they were in love forever, so I guess they must have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's get a little bit more into what it was about exactly, because... To be fair, yeah, I don't so remember much more of it than there was a couple. Es- essentially, and there was more, but well, that that's pretty much it. Yeah. Really, uh, it's about Frederick, um, and he meets a, a war nurse, a Red Cross nurse, hmm. uh, and they sort of uh, he goes on a double date with her and his friend, who's into her, but uh, turns out that she likes him way more than she likes his friend, and. They have this really weird scene in the garden where he tries to kiss her and she slaps him and then he tries to fuck her and she goes, no, 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 no. And then they do fuck and then she's like, oh, actually, I'm in love with you now. And then there's a whole sort of serendipitous point of, you know, he gets sent somewhere and she gets sent somewhere and they try to find their way back to each other. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's something. And... You're not missing out if you haven't seen it. You're not not really missing out. I am going to spoil this one as well for the fun facts. So if you are very worried about spoilers, um, be sure to shut your ears in a second. But honestly, let me first put up. I have a quote. You won't. I just want you to get some things and put an advertisement in the newspaper for me. I really oughtn't to if I had any sense. I know I shall have awful gas pains in the morning as a result of this. I don't remember this. <laughs> it's it's when the guy, Frederick, is trying to put an advertisement out to find his wife. Oh, to find his wife. Who yeah. is oh, not, pregnant, hang on, hang on. which he didn't know. Not his know. wife, because they're not allowed to oh, get yeah, married. Oh, yeah, right, right. They're not married. There's just a priest that pretends to marry them in a in a hospital room, maybe? And Yeah, they, they and are they go, kind of oh, married. Kind of married, yeah. Married in the eyes of God, but not in the they eyes are of basically, the They are basically, they are apart when he finds out that she was pregnant and moved to Switzerland. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and he's trying to find her just the moment when he finds her. She is dying. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, four. 
I have I have one note because there was one thing that I did really like about this movie. It was the uh, there was a scene in the hotel room where she she moved. She went to a to a hotel room and she's writing a letter to Frederick and being like, "Oh, you know, it's all pretty. The carpets are nice. I have a beautiful view of the lake." And as she's describing this. The camera like goes through the hotel room mm-hmm. and shows the bit she's talking about, but how they do not correspond. Like yeah. she goes, "Oh, the carpets are beautiful," and it's like this crappy hardwood floor. And she goes, "I have a beautiful view of the lake." And you go to the window, and it's just like a view of the building next to her. Yeah, which I thought was a very interesting. Like it was, it was a really cool way of doing it. And then they ruined mm-hmm. it five seconds later by having her talk to herself and go, "Oh, I'm sorry, I lied to you in my letter." And it's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, for fu- we know, we know, you we just us. saw you showed us. Don't tell <laughs> us again. Show, don't tell, dude." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, there are parts. I think it's mostly just one part where the father, so the priest, is whispering, but the whispering doesn't match his lips. It's very weird. I yep. don't know why. I'm sure they could have made it match, but they didn't. They just put some audio of whispering under it. It could have been a completely different person, even. It it didn't... <sighs> yep. 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 Yeah, Rinaldi, Frederick's friend, who is a bitch. Mm-hmm. It continues to be a bitch because they keep sending each other letters and he makes sure that they never arrive, which is very upsetting Such because she asshole. is pregnant in another country. And Frederick yeah, but he doesn't, doesn't read even these know letters. where she is. He, he, just, he just sort of goes, oh, no, we don't want him getting distracted. Fuck it, send the letter back. Yeah. I wrote down that I completely spaced out during the bombastic music montage, but didn't think that I missed anything. <laughs> uh, you, you did indeed not. It was 10 mm. minutes of just war yeah. and him running through war scenes, which, again, very impressive. Very impressive. Very well done. Just not very interesting. Yeah, and then... I hate Catherine as a character. She literally cannot do anything without Frederick and fucking dies because the letters weren't sent. She finds out the letters weren't sent and maybe this is not the exact cause of her death, but they do kind of portray it this way. Like, it is, oh it is implied that way. She 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 finds out these letters weren't sent. She faints yeah. due to stress and is rushed to hospital. Yeah. And it, she dies due to birth complications. Yeah, exactly. But like, it, it, is, it is implied that it was a stress-induced birth, apparently. So I, yeah... Yeah, and then they have one final goodbye. They have this whole conversation that makes zero sense because that's not how people die. Like they, they are like, yeah, she about to die, and she just kind of vibes with him for a little bit and then closes her eyes, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, he, he, the, the fucking. She asks the doctor like, "How long do I have?" And he goes, "Ah, oh, not long." And then she's like, "Okay, cool. I guess like two and a half minutes, and that's about it." Yeah, it's. I don't know how to describe it, but it feels super unnatural. It's really weird. It feels super unnatural. It feels like she genuinely just picked the moment to go and be dead for dramatic purposes. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those are my notes. So you can get uh, to the facts. Well, the the facts are actually all interconnected. Isn't Whoa! This wild? Yeah. Oh yeah, my god! Crazy. Inception kind of shit going mm. on with. Oh, it is fucking mad. Uh, so essentially. This was the first Ernest Hemingway novel to ever ever be turned into a film. Okay. Uh, so, hey, well done, Ernest. Uh, it's a shame, though, that Ernest Hemingway fucking hated this movie. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, he felt this interpretation of the novel was overly romantic. Mm. Um, and yeah, fair enough. Um, he also was severely fucked off by the fact that Americans don't like sad endings. So there was a print made for American audiences where Catherine just doesn't die. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is kind of the entire emotional point of the yep. end of the movie. Um, 
and he was he oh you flipped his shit at this <laughs> uh this ending never made it to europe because he just he just fucking refused most american theaters also decided to go with the downbeat ending because the larger cities just had a lot of pro hemingway critics critic mm. hemingway was a very popular dude so when they were like, oh, they're changing the ending of the novel? No, f- fuck that. We're not doing it. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, <laughs> that's that. Uh, as much as he hated this movie, though, this this didn't stop my man Hemingway from forming a really good friendship with Gary Cooper, who plays the, the male lead, Frederick. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it was Hemingway who insisted that Cooper would be cast in the in the lead role of the adaptation of his novel For Whom the Bell Tolls about 11 years later. However... Oh. It is said that the two made a point of never discussing this film. Oh, so I mean, understandably so, you know. Um, yeah, I, I could, guess. I can't blame them for it, really. So yeah, it did get nominated um, for an Oscar, though, an Oscar. It did. Oh, an Oscar. It did get nominated uh, for an Oscar. <laughs> it certainly did get nominated for an Oscar, and matter of fact, it got nominated for. Uh, f- oh, let me quickly double check before I say this incorrectly. Four Oscars. Four Oscars, yo. Four Oscars. Forty Second Street in comparison got two nominations. Okay, yeah. That's upsetting. uh, That's very upsetting, actually. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I I, I get that. Um, but yeah, this is um. Oh, actually, no. I have one more fun fact, which I don't think I don't think we got this. So there was a bunch of different versions of this movie because they had to cut out a bunch of stuff for the Hays Code, but then they insert a lot of that back in for later releases post code. Um, but I think, I'm, I don't remember whether we got this, but in the original 1932 credits, um, the, the credits have bomb blasts, like aerial, aerial oh. bombs. And every time that there's a blast, the credit disappears and is replaced by the next credit. I which think I, we did a, have that. I don't remember whether we did, but it, 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 it sounds like a very cool effect. Yeah. So yeah. bonus, bonus points. Bonus points. But we will now move on. We will now move yes. on to the third movie, which should be I Am a Fugitive from a chain gang? Nope. No. Nope. nope. Okay. No, there's a movie with a C in there. With a C in there. Oh, Cavalcade. We are now moving on to Cavalcade. Yeah, Cavalcade. War. I liked Cavalcade. It was war, but it was more of um. It's essentially it takes it's it was marketed as picture of the generation, and that's kind mm-hmm. of what it is. It it's yeah. Um, it takes one family, and sort of takes them through the start of the 1900s to like 1933 when the movie came out um to sort of be a, a summary of the generation so far like the second world war the death of queen victoria mm-hmm. the titanic is in there yeah uh, world war one like it sort of goes through the whole all the disasters all the disasters from yeah. the perspective of, of uh, two I'd, I'd say one family but like two interconnected families more so yeah mostly two interconnected families and um Mostly main character Jane, who is the mom of the family. Yes, yeah, mostly her. But that the, the other character, she isn't it the most. But the other yeah. characters, I think, get more screen time. She's just the most consistent presence. Yeah, multiple generations kind of thing. Her sons uh, grow up throughout the movie and marry yeah. this and that person. Spoiler: they both end up dying, which is kind of tragic. Yep. Um, one of them dies on the Titanic, which I thought. I should not have laughed. That was a twist and a half. I didn't... They were... So he had just gotten married and he was having a conversation with his now wife on this boat because they were on their honeymoon and they were like just having a good time and kind of talking about deep stuff. 
and it seemed all good. And then they walk away from that space and you see Titanic. And I went, what the fuck? <laughs> this is the first time in one of those movies that I actively, like, out loud went. <gasps> yeah. Like, I, I, I gasped. I also gasped because I, I guess I could have known that they were. It, was it made in sense. The, the moment they the showed Titanic. the fucking 1912 title card, I yes. should have gone, oh, Titanic. And then they were on a boat and I should have gone, mm, Titanic. No. And I just, it didn't register to me for, for a single second that Same. that's what was happening. It made it such a good plot twist, though. Amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, this movie is of a scale. Not only oh, in the yeah. amount of time it covers, but also it keeps pulling out these events with, I don't know how many extras, but... Oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, when they leave for the war, it's... The whole boat, it's a huge boat and it's full of men and the whole, like everyone on land is also so many people. And then they go to a theater play that is completely filled with people. It's one scene after another that is just filled and filled with extras. It's crazy. Yeah. And on top of that, it has a soundtrack of over 50 songs. Oh my God. Yeah. This was bombastic. This was crazy bombastic. It's, it's wild. It, It was based on a play. So cameramen were sent to London to record the original play to guide like mm. the, the the adaptation, and they did that with crazy accuracy. It was also one of the first movies to use the words "damn" and "hell." Damn, because they were used in the play. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, I think the actress of Jane, the main character, Diana Winyard. Diana she Winyard, yeah, was really good. She had the desperate quiver in her voice down <laughs> absolutely straight up mm-hmm. i think I, I, to be fair i think most of the actors were fucking phenomenal yeah um i agree i i you know it's another one of those things for me where the movie it, it wants to do a bit too much for me to really mm. enjoy it it feels a bit like disjointed and uncohesive but i am i was baffled enough just by the the scale of the whole mm-hmm. thing that i was deeply impressed regardless yeah. like yeah i like these movies that cover so many generations and stuff so i didn't have that much of a problem with it but it's also not a movie where i'd go oh my god <laughs> it's not 42nd street you know <laughs> yeah no exactly yeah yeah um, it's no wings i also noticed that the dialogue doesn't feel really how humans talk now and i also doubt they talk like that in the 30s but all of the movies always kind of suffer from this it's just this yeah one this one especially it. because stage play um, yeah so it's all a bit exaggerated yeah exactly you can feel that and i think mm. with most of the movies that we've been watching for this podcast it always suffers a little bit from that's not how humans talk and mixed with that's how humans talked in the 30s but yeah um, yeah and it ends in the year that it came out so it's really meant to be this thing of you know, we start a while back and, you know, imagine yeah, it was... now starting in 2005 and ending in 2000. No, no, it would, it would be starting in 2000. It was very much like, you know, the start of the century yeah. up to now. What What's happened in, in the past century, um, which is really interesting. Yeah, I liked it. Facts. I have some fun facts, but I first have some not so fun facts. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's a... F- it's a fun fact, but okay. So the reason that this is a fun fact is severely just because of how out of left field it's going to come. Okay. Uh, 
You know, you know whose favorite movie this was? No. Hitler's. Oh. Hitler fucking loved this movie. Watched oh. it twice uh, with Joseph Goebbels. Oh, I almost feel compelled to not like it now. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, he he fucking loved it, man. But and it's it's a good movie, but. <laughs> that's also. <laughs> it doesn't okay. I'm, just I'm not laughing about at the fact that, like, I'm not laughing at Hitler. I'm just laughing at the fact that it's such an it's such an out of left field yes. fact. But this is also not a movie. There's no Germany involved or anything. I guess there no. is war. But There's war. It's kind of its message is kind of that war isn't that good, especially for the people at home, because it yeah. centers a lot on the women that are left at home when the men have to go to war. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess, you know, sure. Um so uh hang on, I think I had another <laughs> I think I had another, another not so fun fact, but I can't find it now. Um sort of sort of it was released on 15th of April 1933, which was a uh, 21st anniversary of the Titanic sinking, hmm. which is, you know, a choice. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, it, it was one of the first films to use Damn and Hell, both of which had been used in the, in the play it was based on. But the the Hayes office was a bit iffy on that. They were like, well, what if it sets a dangerous precedent? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> the the president of Fox, Sidney Kent, was quoted as saying, as far as creating a precedent is concerned, the best answer would be that anyone who could make a picture as good as Cavalcade might be justified in following said precedent. <laughs> Which, fair enough. Uh, but they did cut out a bunch of gays, so... Wait, they did? Yeah. The 20th century blues cabaret scene featured both a gay male couple and a lesbian couple, and Fox was forced to delete the lesbians. The the, gays, the gays are still in there, but the lesbians uh, okay. can only be glimpsed in a quick flash. Okay. So yeah, that's a that's a bit sad. Um, this film is very British, but every frame of the film was photographed in Hollywood. Mm. But they they cast the film. It was a British-born director, Frank Lloyd, and they cast the film entirely with English or Irish actors. And they yeah. they sort of they had to do it as a movie because the stage play originally was done in London's Drury Lane Theatre. But it was it, it had a cast of hundreds and it had five hydraulic stages and Ooh. the scope of it was just so big that it, they could never like bring it to Broadway um, and it had no presence in regional theaters anywhere. Um, mm. So the movie was sort of the only way that they were going to bring this to anyone who couldn't see the stage production, yeah. uh, which is a, an ironic concept that no American stage could do the play but no british studio could have done the movie yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really funny and t- teeny tiny little fun fact to, to quickly close off i think is that uh this is one of the earliest examples of product placement because uh, throughout the course throughout the course of the film the london buses pass by with large lipton tea signs on them. <laughs> i hadn't noticed so they did a good job at the product placement yeah well, given that we've uh, we've already mentioned Hitler, oh no, I I do feel that we should maybe note the fact that um, the thing at the end, the the movie ends with the main characters essentially going, please can we just do peace now? Mm-hmm. Can we have peace forever? 
and the moment for delivering that message is chosen as New Year's Day mm-hmm. 1933. Now, this movie was released a bit later, so they would have probably already known about this fact. But a month after New Year's Day 1933, 30th of January 1933, was the day that Adolf Hitler was appointed Chancellor of Germany. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, this this suddenly reads very specifically as a, hey, let's can we keep the fucking peace, please? I do feel that with a lot of these war movies where you can... I feel like more of them are catered towards, hey, let's not do World War One again. Let's... Yeah. Mm, and especially now because it's we're already like building up to World War Two. Yeah, now. exactly. This is, this is so... going to happen, which makes this a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. Hitler's favorite fucking movie. Why is he not taking this um... advice to heart, you <laughs> bastard? Like, come on. Please, please stop missing the point. There is another fun fact about this, but I'm saving it for another movie, uh, for Lady for a Day. Okay. So, remind me. Yes. So, yeah, that was uh, that was Cavalcade. Yeah. Um, Which now moves us to, I am a fugitive from a chain gang. I am a fugitive from a chain gang, I'm gonna, based on a true story. I'm gonna mess this name up several times. I'm just warning you, fugitive is an extremely difficult word. What the fuck? Then, then let's just call it Chain Gang. Let's okay, just call it yeah, Chain it's Gang. Chain Gang. Yeah. It's about a guy, and for those who might not be aware, because I wasn't, Chain Gang refers to him being in prison, and it's one of those Specifically, prisons where they are yeah. linked by a chain, like at their feet. Yeah. And yeah, this guy goes to prison for a crime that he kind of committed he he was kind of tricked into it like there was a burger store and he had a guy with him that said hey i'll treat you to a burger and then he tried to rob the burger place and um he was caught for trying to you know rob the burger place even though he wasn't really planning to but he was leaving the burger place with the money to be fair his name is james by the way Mm-hmm. And he goes to prison, but he breaks out. He is able to break out, and he makes a good living for himself. He works himself up. He gets kind of rich, kind of famous. But then eventually they do find out that he is actually the guy that escaped from the chain gang, and they put him back in prison. And uh, uh, Yeah, they don't put him back in prison. No, he thing. goes they, they essentially kind of go, willingly. oh. We're going to pardon you. If you go back willingly, we'll pardon you in a month and a half. And he goes, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Or three months or something. And he's like, that sounds reasonable. And then he goes back and they're like, ah, I tricked you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to stay here. You're going to stay here. Well, it's but just then a prank, he... bro. I'll, I'll spoil the end. Uh, he does escape again. Yeah. I really like the ending because the whole m- throughout the whole movie, it's kind of like, okay, he isn't really a criminal. He got tricked into this, and this is yeah. just very unfortunate. He doesn't but He doesn't steal. He's yeah. Yes, but then at the end, he kind he of to. does actually become a criminal. His his girlfriend literally asks him, like, how how do you live? And he goes, I steal. Mm-hmm. That's the final yeah. line of the movie. It's like, I, I have to. It's, I love it's that. It's pushed me into this. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's wild because this movie is like... This is a, a a movie with a pretty big impact on American society because this is one of the first movies that dare to be really, really critical of the American prison system. Oh, um, right. It's among the first examples of cinema used to garner sympathy for imprisoned convicts without divulging you know, their actual crimes. Mm-hmm. American audiences, due to this movie, began to just question the legitimacy of the U.S. legal system. Mm-hmm. And because of this, a number of chain gang prisoners were able to appeal and they were just released. 
Hey, yo. Yeah, one of the characters in this movie, J. Harold Hardy, who was a, one of the wardens, uh, he sued the studio for $1 million for displaying vicious, brutal, and false attacks against him. Like, this this thing had impact. That's amazing. I really liked it, and I I don't know how accurate exactly the scenes inside the prison were, but if that is how it Very. was, then yeah, there should be something done about it, because it's brutal. Yeah. Do you have any notes? Because... Yeah, I have a bunch of them. Let me see. This is a story. Yeah, so the movie starts off very optimistic, and I really liked it, because James comes back from war, and he's like, I'm not going back to the company where I used to work, because I want to follow my dreams, I just want to... I don't even have a particular dream, but I just want to do something that makes me happy, and this is not it. Mm-hmm. And his parents are kind of worried about that, because how are you going to make money? But he decides to you know, leave, travel a bit, and go do something cool. And I really like that, because I like that message of, you know, go go do what you actually want to do in life. Uh, but then it goes downhill. <laughs> then it goes downhill real fast, because, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't make any money, and he ends up accepting the offer to take a burger. and uh, Yeah. So I was like, well, that sucks for him. <laughs> then I was like, Stranger Things? Stranger Things? Because the first oh, time no. he escapes... No, but it's... Stranger Things season four, exactly. No, not exactly, but it's very close. Because the way that this guy escapes the first time is that he lets a very strong dude, he lets him use his hammer. Oh, right. To break off his chain, basically, or at least make it form in a way where he can wriggle his, wiggle his food uh, out of there. His food, not his food. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um which is exactly how Hopper escaped prison in Stranger Things season four. So plagiarism, <laughs> um, not really, because Hopper immediately disappears. I think, and this guy first stays a night and then only decides to leave the following day. But anyway, I just wanted to give that a quick little, quick little shout out. Maybe it yeah. was a reference. I don't know. Maybe they I... got inspiration from it, or maybe just is this movie got inspiration too... from Stranger Things? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the other way around. Or maybe it's just two separate guys thinking of the same thing. It's not that crazy of an escape plan, I guess. But still, still. James has a friend in prison called Bomber, and he is amazing. He is a supportive friend oh, that tries to help him to get out of there. Great and boy. it's fucking tragic because the second escape, all the way at the end, he takes Bomber, which I was like, yes, he's taking Bomber as he should. And then Bomber dies. He gets shot. Yep. It's very upsetting. Um, also very smart when they are trying to follow him at the first escape, James. He... Okay, so James jumps into the water and he uses... Reeds. This straw, Reeds. the reed, yeah. to breathe. Because it's hollow in the inside of yeah. it. So they are looking over the river, but no one's there. And they look at it long enough that someone that, you know, stays on the water should have to go up. But he shouldn't. He has doesn't have to. Have you never smart. seen this in, like, cartoons? I have not. This is crazy. <laughs> this is like, this is, for me, this was really interesting because I was like, oh, this is probably one of the first movies to ever do this because it's such a cliche thing now. I've never seen this. You've and I was like, never so encountered smart. this? That's so smart. Oh dude. my God. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw this. I was just like, oh, wow. Okay, that's, that's, it's interesting. This is probably maybe where it came from. <laughs> it's so interesting that you had the opposite thing. You're like, whoa, <laughs> groundbreaking. <laughs> groundbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Then his full name is James Allen, and when he escapes and tries to make a new identity for himself, this he goes, "Yeah, my guy. name is Alan James." This because that will def- dude, how <laughs> how much of a dumbass? Yes, Alan James. That's definitely not suspicious if your name was James Allen. Uh huh. Yeah, totally. Um, he gets forced into a marriage, which I thought was pretty upsetting of Marie. Marie likes him, and she finds out who he is, and she's like, "If you don't marry me." I'm gonna put you in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, oh, I, I won't have to rat you out uh, if you marry me. We yeah. go get married. And then I won't have to be a bitch about it. And it's like, oh, yeah. oh fuck. Okay. Jesus. Okay, maybe don't do that. <laughs> this guy has a really sucky life. Yeah. Like, just when he finally makes a career, he escaped prison. There's this woman that's just making him unhappy and again, do anything about it. Yeah, it's it's um, it's something. Yeah, overall, I really like this movie. I, I had a good time watching this one. Well, get ready, because you might not have a great time with the fun facts about this one. Oh, no. <laughs> well, actually... Wait, I wait, th- wait. I have, I oh, wait, have one okay, more... Uh, I have a quote. I have a quote. Okay, go, go, go. Okay, okay. Um, this is this is the guy that invites him to take the hamburger. So uh-huh. the guy that got him into all of this. I'm hungry. What would you say to a hamburger? What would I say to a hamburger? I'd shake Mr. Hamburger by the hand and say, Pal, I haven't seen you in a long, long time. Yeah, I thought that was really good as well. Yeah, I like that. I love that. I want to shake hands with a hamburger. Who doesn't really? Let's be honest now. <laughs> yeah, okay. so I, I actually, I, I, I should say, I think you are going to have a lot of fun with the fun facts about this movie because it is a, this is a wild fucking tale. Um, It's based on a true story. It's based on a book called I Am a Fugitive from a Georgia Chain Gang uh, by Mm -hmm. Robert E. Burns. Remember that name. Now, this autobiography was was an issue because it was real. Very, very real, in fact. Mm -hmm. And for the movie, they had to omit Georgia from the title because you don't want to, you know. True. Um, They do get into states, though. I don't oh, yeah. remember which states it were. No, but... they, yeah, they very specifically do not mention Georgia. Mm. It's very accurate to the novel, this movie, uh, except for two things. Burns did actually steal those dollars to eat. Um, he did. He did. He was actually guilty. And he did actually, in the end, end up escaping the, the legal system. But the road there is fascinating. So, originally, th- this movie pretty much in, in every sense of it was a passion project jack warner oh. and daryl zanuck the the heads at warner brothers uh, they were very personally interested in the movie but the story department from warner brothers voted against it with a report that concluded and i quote this book might make a picture if we had no censorship but all the strong and vivid points in the story are certain to be eliminated by the present censorship yeah. board which makes sense um but in the end warner and zanuck had the final say and they did approve the project which is, you know, cool. Uh, and originally mm-hmm. they assigned their highest paid director, Roy Del Ruth, but he refused. He said, this subject is terribly heavy and morbid. There is not one moment of relief anywhere. Uh, the story lacks box office appeal and offering a depressing story to the public seems ill-timed given the harsh reality of the Great Depression happening at that time. I can see that. Yeah, so instead they got Mervyn Leroy in to direct and... Yeah, people were not happy. He was very young, and they were like, "What the fuck are we doing? What, 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 what the fuck are we doing with this kid? What's <laughs> what's the point?" But he did a did a really really good job. Yeah. Um. So, here's the wild shit. Paul Mooney, who's the uh, the guy who plays 
Robert's character, Alan, no, James. Mm -hmm. Alan? James. 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 Yeah, both both of those names. Both of those names, really. Um, But yeah, essentially the Robert Burns stand-in. Pomini plays him, and uh, he went on a quest. Like, he set the research department on a quest to procure every available book and magazine about the penal system. He met with prison guards who worked in chain gangs. He also wanted to meet a guard or warden who was working in Georgia at that point, but Warner Studio executives quickly rejected that suggestion. Mm. Um, And funnily enough, our friend Robert E. Burns did actually make it to Hollywood to work on the film. Let's go. He snuck onto a ship using a fake name. And I'm going to quickly check because I have the fake name, but it's, it's somewhere in my notes. Wait, hang on. Yes, uh, Robert Burns traveled to Hollywood using the name Richard M. Crane. Uh, He not only suggested ideas for the script, but also reportedly helped write dialogue. Paul Mooney spent a lot of time with Robert E. Burns at some point, literally telling him, I do not want to imitate you, I want to become you. Oh, which is That's very intense. Yeah. If someone told me that, I'd be a little bit scared. I'm not going to lie. I would also be a little bit scared. Uh, the the playwright, the scriptwriter, uh, he found the experience of working with Robert Burns fucking nerve-wracking because <laughs> Burns, obviously a fugitive from the law at this point, mm-hmm. like still at that point a fugitive from the law, oh. would hear gunfire and just jump and hide behind furniture uh, when there was like police sirens and oh, they would no. have to calm him down and go look they're shooting but only a movie yeah um, oh. at some point the stress just became too much for him and he, he went back to the safety of I think New Jersey mm, yeah it is cool though that they got the actual guy oh yeah absolutely so then this movie probably illegal is... also by the way oh no but yeah it's... severely well so the thing is there's no extradition laws right so technically he was safe and fine mm-hmm. uh, he just you know Georgia did not like it very much right right so then this movie is completed and released now oh. Georgia the state was not overly fond of this movie they omitted the name of Georgia and never mentioned the state in the entire film, but it was very obvious to people at the time that this was like an indictment of specifically Georgia. Mm-hmm. And there was such a tsunami of protest in return, like newspaper editorials, reform committees, petitions, letters, telegrams, uh, and this resulted in the abolishment of some of its prison systems. Like, hey, yo. straight up. But the film was banned in Georgia. And a libel suit mm. on George's behalf was filed against Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh, and all of that legal wrangling sort of came to nothing. But the state of Georgia relentlessly tried to recapture Robert Burns. And Mervyn Leroy and Jack Warner, the director and producer, were banned from entering Georgia for years. To <laughs> uh, be expected, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Robert Burns disappeared. After the uh, oh. after the completion of this movie, man's just fucking vanished. There was like a oh, one no. report that he was captured and extradited back to Georgia, but all records indicate that he was never caught. He oh. did, however, return to Georgia in 1945 on the assurance of the state's governor, like actually this time, and they commuted his sentence, restored his civil rights. They did, however, refuse him a full pardon because he had originally admitted his guilt. But hmm. yeah, they, they did sort of let him off the hook. Okay, okay. Because of this movie. 
<laughs> Damn, this movie really did some shit. Yeah. Uh, I, one quick hopping back for a second. I, I said that Leroy and Warner were banned from Georgia. The specific wording used was that... Because um, you can't really ban them from making a movie. But the specific wording we used was that should you ever find yourselves in Georgia, you will be treated to a dose of the social evil you so roundly denounce. Oh, that's scary. What that's the fuck? fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a movie that literally, literally changed, changed society. Uh, three nominations. Uh, I think it deserves that. I had a good time. I had a good time, and it time. actually had impacts. Yeah, it was madly depressing, them. but... That should move us on to Lady for a Day. Lady for a Day. I really like Lady for a Day. I liked it as well. I can see this is a you movie. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't to be fair, this was not... This probably did not crack my top three. Um, hmm, okay. But I did like it a lot. I think it was really good. Lady for a Day is about... A woman, an older woman. Apple Annie. Uh, I, yeah, Apple Annie. I'd say she's in her 60s, 70s. Approximately. And she is very poor these days. She didn't always used to be poor, but now she is and she sells apples, hence Apple Annie. And those apples are a charm of luck for a guy called The Dude. Which, the first dude. of all, let me just... <laughs> if your nickname is The Dude... His full, full nickname is Dave The Dude. Let's be... Yes. <laughs> But everyone just calls him the dude, which yeah. I think is amazing. I I like to be called the dude. Just mm-hmm. not there's not even name. It's amazing. Anyway, the dude buys these apples as a charm of good luck because he's a bit of a gambler as well. He also runs a gang. Yeah. And then Apple Annie has a problem because she has a daughter in Europe, in Spain specifically. Who thinks that she is still rich? <laughs> so she yeah. keeps having correspondence with her through a fancy hotel where she knows one of the workers, and uh, that worker keeps handing her the letters and helping her send the letters and whatnot. But then her daughter's like, "Hey, I'm gonna marry, but the guy who I'm marrying, his father, first wants to see you, just so that he knows that nothing's up with my family." And Apple Annie's like, "Oh shit, that's yep. not good. That's I, not great. I am." not looking great right now but people find out about this uh, she tells people and the dude find out about, finds out about this and the dude is like I'm gonna help her and he makes up this whole scheme that gets out of hand really quickly they they <laughs> where... get her like a fancy apartment that she can borrow for a few days they find mm-hmm. her a fake husband they find mm-hmm. her a bunch of people to pretend like they're members of high society so she can throw a big party like yeah. they they go for the full trick on this and it's I love it Love it to bits. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So yeah, yeah, that's basically the summary. Yeah, what were your uh, specific thoughts? My specific thoughts. I have. <laughs> I I just really liked this movie. It was very light entertainment for me, right in mm-hmm. every possible yeah. way. Um, I'm not sure whether I loved the ending mm. because it. No. You same. know, I it, you sort of expect. Uh, you know, because you know these stories, you sort of expect it all to come out in the end. And she's like, "I'm actually, I'm lying to you," and and that was about to happen. It was about but to happen, then and then it, to, it's no, fixed. never mind. <laughs> yeah, uh, so the daughter never finds out the truth, and that sort of felt like a missed missed opportunity. I really like when you know the truth comes out, and she goes, "Oh, but, but I, I still love you." But that just didn't happen. That was yeah. entirely avoided. Would also probably be the right thing, you know, morally. Yeah, morally. If you want 
this movie to say something that would probably be the way to do it yeah but you know not all movies have to have a moral i don't think so that's definitely on the other end yeah and again it it, it, you know i found it very very fun Mm -hmm. regardless i have a few notes on it one of that being that at some point a reporter shows up because oh. the, the reporter is like, oh, hey, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the count from this different country is here. We kind of want to do a story. And they don't want him to do the story because, you know, they'll find out that they're mm-hmm. lying about the whole thing. So they go, oh, yeah, no, we can sit down with you here. This room isn't used very often. And they walk into a room. The door closes and you cut to a newspaper heading with, like, reporter mysteriously goes yes. missing. And it's like, yes, I was like, I knew I, I vaguely knew that the dude was running a gang, but I didn't really realize how bad it was until that came up so i was like excuse me we are now kidnapping reporters for this thing i also love that like two scenes later he just goes what are we going to do with that missing reporter and one of his friends replies you mean all three of them and he goes three yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah we th- there was so two more we, we found a few more sorry man uh yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and i also have i have one quote saved from this movie which is well you do your thing. I'm going to go to the insane asylum to talk to a bunch of sensible people. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that was really solid. Oh, yeah. Okay. I also have a quote. I was looking it up. Nice. Basically, the fake husband, uh-huh. who is a judge, he he's also the guy that I mentioned earlier. In yeah. It's a um, later role in 40 Ga- Seconds. Guy Kibi. Yes. So he at first is not entirely convinced, but then he does get convinced to pretend to be her husband. And the Count, which the Count is the father from the guy that her daughter is marrying. That Mm -hmm. sounds complicated. Her father-in-law. He is asking questions about this woman, about Apple Annie, because maybe something's up. He is kind of suspicious about this. Maybe a bit dodgy, yeah. Yeah, so he asks questions about this, to which the fake husband replies, And on her mother's side, she comes from the purest stock. Do you know that if not for them, there would be no apple industry in America? Which I thought was very funny, <laughs> because he's so just good, pretending yeah. like, yeah, no, he, she's, you know, she's Apple Annie. And, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's bending the truth, like, yeah, she sells apples. She's actually the queen of apples, funnily yes, enough. Yes, exactly. I love that one. Yeah, it's really good. I really liked it. Yeah, a solid half of my notes is about the nickname "the dude." I just, I, <laughs> I get that. It's, yeah. I, it's a bit childish, but I just like it so much when you're just called. It's just as if you, your nickname is a guy. Yeah, I, love I, that I, guy. I wish, I wish my nickname was the dude. Oh, this was also the movie where. <sighs> Listen, watching this movie for me was an experience, because I did not think it was that boring, but. 20 minutes into the movie, I just had a little nap. I had a little nappy nap because I was a little bit tired. And then I couldn't finish the movie that day. So I had to finish the movie the following day, which I usually never do. I always try to finish them uh-huh, at one in go. one go, yeah. But I had to finish it the following day. And then I did, I was, I fell asleep again during the movie. So I, oh, what I slept movie two times you? trying to watch this movie. I fell asleep two times. And it wasn't that boring. I assure you, it was not that boring. But... This was just, I had a bit of an experience watching it. It was just like, watch, sleep, watch, this leave poor the house, fucking movie. come back, sleep. This poor fucking movie, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And I just, I, I put down, I liked it. Good leisure. That's fair. Um, do, you, do you want some fun facts? 
I do want those. Well, this is the first Academy Award-winning movie by Frank Capra, a famous director known for It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be seeing him a lot. Uh, he has okay, a, nice. he has a fucking streak of Academy Award nominated movies. Sick. It was based on a short story called Madame la Gimp. Mm-hmm. They purchased screen rights in September and they scheduled production to begin in May. And they hired Capra to do it, but he had some misgivings. Uh, he reminded studio head Harry Cohn that he was spending $300,000 on a picture in which the heroine is 70 years old. To which Cohn responded, All I know is that things got a wallop. Go ahead. Uh, and they made the movie. <laughs> and it was Damn. it was nominated for an Oscar. Good. Good. Um, it's very interesting and fun to me that this is Frank Capra's first Oscar-nominated uh, movie because the last movie he ever made was called Pocket Full of Miracles, and it was a remake of this movie. So his Aww. his his last ever movie was uh, a remake of his his first. Well, not his first ever movie, but his first ever Oscar. His first movie. Oscar-nominated movie. I like that. Yeah, he claimed to prefer the remake to the original, as you would if you're a director and you're going to remake your own movie. You're most likely going to like the remake better. But mostly everyone disagrees. So oh. sorry, sorry, Frank. Sorry, man. Sorry, you man. You tried. Uh, they uh they cast a bunch of actual downtown Los Angeles beggars in small roles, which is great. Knowing that like the subject matter of the movie, it's it's great that they got to you know cameo in it and have like little, little bits. It's fantastic. Originally, Marie Dressler was supposed to play Apple Annie. Um, oh, yeah, we are. but uh, <laughs> but studio boss Harry Cohn was like, no, no, this movie's. It's not going to be that good. We're not going to besmirch Marie Dressler's <laughs> name. <laughs> and then so, it was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, and not not only not only was it nominated for an Oscar, the actress who plays Apple Annie was nominated for Best Actress Award. Oh, so I love that. Hey, great stuff. Uh, we watched the Blu-ray edition, which restored the film to its complete version because about four and a half minutes of this movie were lost. Lost. Woo. Um. Apple Annie says at some point she was never married. Very close call, because if they made this movie a year later, they would not have been allowed to say that yep, due to the Hays Code. Yep. This is one of the few Oscar-nominated Best Picture nominees to, to have a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, mm-hmm. still? Yeah. Which is kind of kind of mad. That's yeah, that is mad. I I like this, but it's not the one where I would say damn no, that, that. Me neither. Gets... But then again, this is also one where I couldn't really like. Besides, yeah, no, I guess besides the ending, but that's sort of more of a, a directorial choice. I couldn't really point mm-hmm. at anything here and go, oh, I didn't like that's this. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then my favorite little fun fact about this: this is the one that I said I was gonna say when I was on Cavalcade. Mm-hmm. Both Frank Capra, who directed this, and Frank Lloyd who directed Cavalcade, were nominated for Best Director. Oh, no. So, I yes. feel... When presenter Will Rogers opened the envelope, oh, he yeah. merely said, Come up and get it, Frank! Uh, and then halfway to the stage, Frank Capra realized that he... Oh, I'm wrong Frank. Frank. So... No! Yep, so both of them ended up going on stage, uh, and they ended up getting the third nominee as well which was uh, George Cooker for Little oh. Women. They ended up getting all three of them on stage to celebrate That's the award. Cute. But <laughs> yeah, That's very awkward, but I'm glad 
they fixed it in that way, but oh yeah. no. This is why saying oh, no. the name of the movie is important. You can't just yeah. go, oh yeah, go, come on, Frank. Frank when all of your, yeah. when half of your fucking people are called Frank. <laughs> oh no. Oh no, I feel so bad. That would, I Same. would never be able to get over that. I would never get over it. Yep. There is a movie from 1934 as well that also has Mae Robson, uh, uh, Apple Annie, in it. And she plays a very similar character. Someone adopts her from uh, an old lady's home to pretend to be her mother. It's not a mm-hmm. sequel, but it's sort of like, it's sort of similar. mentioned as a spiritually similar movie. Yeah. Um, and that's that's pretty much all I have on Lady for a Day. That's it. That's all we've got. Sick. Sick. Okay, man's about to monologue. Listen. It's Little Women time. Yes. Okay. I okay. Listen. I get you. I get you. Love Little Women. It is one of my favorite fictional stories. Joe March is one of my favorite fictional characters ever. Uh, Catherine Hepburn plays her, and she does so fucking phenomenally. I <laughs> I loved this movie to bits. I uh, I genuinely. Uh, there's nothing I can say about this movie beyond it is phenomenal. It is amazing. It ah. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Little Women's about, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you go, go. Sorry, I should have not. Uh, I know I shouldn't eat while podcasting. But... It's okay. Listen, listen. Please all of, explain all of our to listeners, the listeners what it's about. <laughs> it's about some little women. It's listen. It's about four sisters, um, and it's God. There's not even necessarily a plot to speak of. It's four sisters, their dad's gone off to war, their mum's poor, and they're dealing with the the, the humanity of it and, and just the sort of, you know, navigating through life in, in that situation. Mm-hmm. And they all have very distinct desires and goals. And, oh, it's so good. I like stories that are just, in their essence, so severely human. And Little Women mm-hmm. is one of my favorite examples of it. Um yeah. The, look, this movie is from 1933. It doesn't hold a candle to the 2019 one. But that's also because mm-hmm. the 2019 one was allowed to be a lot longer and therefore could cover the whole book a lot better. And um, also was, you know, made in a made time, in a, where, in a time it where it was allowed to be a little bit more feministic. <laughs> yeah, but then again, for its time and for the fact that it was yeah. directed by a man... This movie did it's, really good on the fucking it feminism. Did really well. It's the only thing is the ending compared to 2019. But that's even the ending in this one. I didn't mind that much, but yeah, I preferred the one in 2019. Yeah, that I agree with. And and also to be fair, like the ending in this, it was a lot less explicit than they could have made it. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. I I liked it quite a bit. I I didn't like the ending, but I expected much much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. But yeah, I, I um... also. I'd seen the 2019 one, and I was a huge fan of the 2019 mm, version of so Little Women. I'm so, so excited that, for us to get there. Like, yeah. oh my god! Oh, I was I I saw that Little Woman was on here, and I was like, oh my god, yes, mm. yes. I was really looking forward to this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. I also think I was a little bit biased because I already was such a big fan of the 2019 version mm. that when this one kind of followed the same lines, I was just like, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. A little bit of a bias review going on, I think, but it did do really well. I thought it was going to be pretty different, but it it was very no. similar without being so similar that it wasn't worth the watch. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought it was really good. It's crazy because this movie has been, it's been adapted like three or four times. Yeah. Two, actually, more than that. It's been adapted to two silent films, then this one, then in 
1949, then in 1994, and then in 2019. Like this movie, th- this this story based on this book, it, it just keeps keeps coming back because it's this yeah. fucking good. Funnily enough, Louisa May Alcott did write a sequel to the book called Little Men, which has really not oh, been no. not no. It's it's a good sequel. It just hasn't oh, okay. been adapted that many times. Yeah, because it's it's just not that good. Um, but for some reason, the sequel and only the sequel has been turned into an anime. <laughs> What's so it called? It's called What's lit- it? it's called Little Women to Joe's Boys or uh <gasps> Wakakusa Monokatari Nan Tojo Sensei. Okay, listen. Tijol we're gonna are watch this. watching free. This is the thing we're watching after we're free. Ga- okay? We're gonna watch no no no, we're gonna watch this when we get to twenty nineteen. We can watch Little Women and the and the <gasps> follow up. We're just we're gonna do a Little Woman special. Little Woman special, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. We Hell only watch yeah. every single version of Little Women. <laughs> Little Women. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The Oscars don't know her. Little Honestly, Woman. I am mm. down for this because I fucking love this. Hell um, yes. Yeah, I I have no notes on this because I was sat there the whole movie. Just this is the one that I was most invested in because it was. I God, I love Little Women. Hmm. Joe March is the main main character. Let's let's yeah. let's start this off. But all Tom three Boy, of the other sisters. Bit have such yeah yeah but tomboy but in in a sense that she is still allowed to be feminine which is such yes, a wild exactly. thing it's, a, it's crazy <laughs> she, yeah, no, no, it's it, like she, she has the scene where she cuts off her hair and she it's sort of portrayed originally as this like you know she was always going to do this because she's a bit of a tomboy she loves having like you know she's she's doing this mm-hmm. as an act of rebellion and it also happens to help her family because she sells her hair for money yeah but then we get a just a short scene, but we get a scene of her being really sad, and she's like, "What's up?" And she goes, "I miss my hair so much." Yeah. And she's allowed to have that moment of femininity, and God, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get into my notes. First thing I noted was George Cukor back as a director. Where do I yeah. know him from? Because uh, I was looking on the, all over the internet, couldn't find it until I was editing our previous episode, and I realized that he is from The Smiling Lieutenant. Yeah. And I couldn't find him because he was credited as an assistant director because he did not get along with Chevalier, and there was yep. this whole thing that yeah, we the whole went thing. into last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he he's going to go on to do some some really big things, including yeah, My Fair Lady. But like. True. But I was looking for the things that we had seen him in, and I just couldn't find him. I was like, "Where is this what guy from?" What is he from? from? I found him. <laughs> you know, he he goes on to do some really interesting things, and specifically a lot of very interesting woman-centered things. Oh, because he did this. He does My Fair Lady. He does A Star Is Born, the original. Oh, damn! Yeah, this guy is a a fucking ledge. Considering the fact he does it so well, usually I'd say. Mm, Let's not have a man direct those things. Oh no, I, I but I'll agree. give it a pass. But the fact, yeah, the fact that it's so early on in Hollywood, and the fact that he yeah, exactly. does it with such levels of respect is is for his time crazy. Uh, so kittens. yeah, there were kittens. kittens. There were indeed kittens. They were, they so were fucking amazing. cute. I love them so much. But yeah, different. There's one difference, or well, there's several differences. But one of the differences with the 2019 version was that. The sisters here all look the same age, which yep. is kind of the case with 2019, except for the younger Beth, sister really Beth, is younger there. Beth, Beth having Beth, being yeah. so much younger, I think, really adds. It's one of the few things I yeah. really preferred about... Well, one of many things I really preferred about 2019. But like, yeah. not in the sense that this was bad, more in the sense that that really helped sell her side of the story. Exactly. Then I have Amy Talks Like I Do, 
because she can't pronounce anything. Yep, this is correct. <laughs> and I felt that. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, um, I think the doctor, the professor is younger in the 2019 one, isn't he? I hope so, probably, because there's no way they would do that in this day and age. Well, there is a way, but... <laughs> there's absolutely a way, yeah. <laughs> there is a way, but I don't think he was as old, yeah. The professor is the love interest of... One of the two love interests that Joe has. Yeah, he, she has kind of a complicated story with a family friend and then the professor. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's 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 portrayed as closer to um closer to Joe's uh Joe's age yeah. in the twenty nineteen one. Then Beth, the younger sister, catches Scarlet Fever at some point and she catches it when she goes to take care of a baby at another family's house, a yeah. poor family, and she wants to help them out. And she comes home and she's like, yeah, the baby's died and he had scarlet fever. And everyone's like, oh shit, do you have scarlet fever now? Because she hadn't, she hadn't had it yet. Which is problematic because that's pretty, you know, yeah, serious. And I thought, there's no way. She immediately, the same day she gets sick, and I was like, that's way too fast. This is some movie kind of magic. But then no. I looked it up, and no, the incubation yeah. period for Scarlet Fever is one to seven days. That's yeah, that insane. shit's fast. Uh, which is also why they immediately were like, oh, Amy's not allowed anywhere near her. Yes, exactly. Because Amy hasn't ever had it. Also hasn't had it yet. One thing I also like better about the 2019 version is that it was slightly less centered on Joe. It also had Joe as a main character, but we also got to see the whole thing of Amy going to France and her relationship yeah, building true. with the family friend, which was cut out of this one. That is absolutely true. I don't think it was necessarily cut out. I think it was more expanded no. on in the 2019 yeah. version. But I, I, it's interesting because I found that Joe was much more of a main character in the 2019 one. Oh, really? Yeah, I found this to be a lot I mean, more spread. I do think that the 2019 version was more being told from her perspective specifically, yeah, whereas that, this one was told from all of their perspectives. That's what but I But the memoir, 2019 yeah. version shows more of shows slightly more of what the other sisters do. Like the piano thing with uh, Beth is also expanded. That is true. More, that think. is true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a little bit of a thing at the end where, in this one, Joe doesn't end up with a man eater. Slay. Oh, no. Please, no. God fucking damn it. She gets a man and he is twice her age. She God doesn't really, though. Like, he, no, he does the same thing where he's like, you know, oh, I, you know, I might be interested. And she goes, come inside. We can talk about this. Yeah, true. It's not so bad. I would not call this one of those movies where, oh, it was ruined in the last five seconds. We had a lot of those and I don't think mm -hmm. this is one of them would have preferred for her not to end up with a man. Oh, no, yeah. I, I, but... That's what I really... I'm going to spoil the end of the 2019 version, which if you haven't watched it yet, please go watch for it. like 30 seconds. But in the 2019 version, she is trying to sell a book because she's a writer and Joe, and they tell her you can't sell this because the main character doesn't end up with a man. And she's like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. So kind of, yeah, the story shows her ending up with a man, but then you also get this thing at the end where they show that actually, no, she didn't, but she kind of had to write it in because otherwise they would not let yeah, her Yeah, the whole the story book. is sort of based on like this concept of this is what she's writing, right? Yeah. Th th she's writing this very human story about her sisters. And yeah, yeah 2019 plays with that a lot more than, than 1933 does. I like it's... that a lot about mm. the 2019 version, but this one is by no means ruined by its ending. No, it's it's really good still. Let me... That's all the notes I still have. Some quotes? I still have quotes. 
Well, oh, I, I, well, screenshots. This one is not a quote. It's just they have an aunt at March. She has a dog, and there's just one shot of her throwing the dog off yeah. her lap, but like really rudely. Like mm-hmm. Jesus fucking Christ, this dog is. I hope he's okay. I hope so too. Then I have one quote which is not meant to be funny. It's just I thought it was really, really good. Where mm-hmm. Joe is talking to the professor about her writing and she asks, but I don't think I'll ever be a Shakespeare, do you? And he says, but you can be a Josephine March and I assure you that that is plenty. Yes. Yes. Slay. Oh, fucking amazing. I have some uh, fun facts if you want them. Yeah, I want to, I want to hear some fun facts. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you were done with your, uh, your, your. No, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 So, um. This movie was budgeted at a million dollars. Oh, that's oh, that's a lot. Yeah, it took a full year to produce. For reference, one of the other movies in this list, I forget which one, but it was shot in 28 days. This movie took a year. Ooh. Yeah, that's the level we're fucking working on. It gave, I want to get this number right, 4,000 people employment. Oh my god. Yeah, this shit was massive. And during its initial release... It earned total theater rentals of $2 million. It made its budget back 100%, which oh is insane. Yes. yes. Crazy. With a budget that big? Fucking mad. This is what we want to see. Yeah. No, in the this depression. Is... In the depression. the depression. In the depression. I... Oh, come on, man. Come on. Come on. Um, to be fair, it, it did probably also benefit from the fact that Depression-era audiences really liked the film's evocation of life in a simpler, more innocent yeah. world. And the movie, it is very feminist, but beyond that, it is quite conservative. It's not very, like, sexual or, or no. violent in the way that Hollywood was a lot at the time. So given that they were just under fire with that because of the Hayes Code, that also probably helped. Helps, yeah. But yeah, no, th- th- still, it broke opening day records with over 23,000 people attending uh, and it yes. earned more than $100,000 in its first week. So yes. holy shit. And a lot of this movie came about sort of on accident, which is even better. A lot of it was done like on purpose, obviously. Uh, about 3,000 items were authenticated by researchers. An interior decorator was hired to oversee the set decoration um, and he modeled it after Louisa May Alcott's childhood home. Uh, mm. Like, a lot of people did so much work on this. But then also, on the other hand of that, you know, the actress who played Amy March, Joan Bennett, was <laughs> was hired after meeting her at a party while she was slightly inebriated, and Cougar just impulsively <laughs> decided, oh yeah, she's going to be the one. Oh. Yeah, straight up. At Catherine Hepburn's request, the costume designer created a dress for Joe based on one worn by Catherine Hepburn's own grandmother in an old photograph. Uh, the, the costume designer also needed to redesign several of Joan Bennett's costumes to conceal the fact that she was, you know, getting rapidly pregnant, which she <laughs> hid at the time of her casting so as to get the role. Oh. Yeah, and the clothing items were shuffled between the March sisters in different scenes to emphasize that it's like a family bond and they were all sort of sharing. That makes sense and I like it. It makes perfect sense and it's so, so cool. Like, everything about this movie just shows that everyone involved was so, so happy to be doing it. 
Um, it, it uh, we we yeah. stand we stand we stand, it. we stand massively. And also, screenplay written by a woman. Uh, just really quickly. Yes, let's go, let's go. It was also fun to see Catherine Hepburn. I hadn't seen yeah. her before in anything. I don't think we have seen her before in anything. No. No. Again, she was nominated for Best Actress, not in this movie, but for a movie called Morning Glory, which yeah. was not nominated for anything else, but she was in it. My last fun fact to close off this movie is that Catherine Hepburn wrote in her autobiography, this picture was heaven to do. George Cukor, perfect. He really caught the atmosphere. It was, to me, my youth. Oh, no. What a fucking no. movie. What a movie. Yes. We've hit the peak, but let's move on. Yeah, it's going to be hard to follow up on this one, but we will with Private Life of Henry VIII. The Private Life of Henry VIII. I also really like this one. I did also like this one. It's periodicals, movie. Let's go. I'm not usually that much into periodicals, but yeah, I liked it. It's an English film. It's not yeah. Hollywood then, which Correct. is... F- that's That's good on them. Be nominated for an Oscar, not even be in a Hollywood film. It is, it is indeed the first foreign Best Picture nominee. I love that, and yep. it deserves to be. It it's does. about the King Henry VIII, obviously, and his six wives, because things keep happening to his, to his wives. wives. It's the little rhyme. Divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. Yeah. Uh, he has six wives. Uh, the first one isn't in the movie. They they very... They she's not important. They specifically establish she's a respectable woman. They got divorced. It's fine. The second yeah. one, though... Oh, no, the second one. So, yeah, it starts with... Well, I, I think... Can we spoil this movie? It's Henry VIII. Everyone knows. Yeah, it starts pretty much with his second wife getting beheaded and him marrying his third wife um, and it sort of goes through all of the rest of his wives we get we get the whole thing and it's a yeah. really interesting look at the whole thing yeah i think with this one we can as long as we are quick about it we can quickly mention the wives where the second wife is called Anne. she did probably Anne we need to be clear about this because he has a yeah, lot of wives with similar names uh it's Boleyn is this one she is People say the king has said that she has cheated on him, but it is kind of implied that he's just saying this so that he can marry the third wife. So she might have been innocently beheaded. Other than that, we don't um, see a lot of... uh, Historically, she was convicted of false charges of incest. Yeah, okay. It was bullshit. Uh, Her brother was also executed, and that fact might have pitted the audience audience against Henry a bit, so the movie decided to quickly... uh, Cut, cut that out a little yeah. bit. But yeah, it was widely accepted that she was falsely accused. Yes, so the movie also does imply that then the third wife was, you know, I wouldn't say that they were really in love, but he was happy with her because she was stupid. She yeah. gave him a child, a boy, which he was very happy with because he already had two daughters and the whole kingdom only wanted boys because, you know, successors. Yeah. But she dies in birth. Also, to quickly note, while we're going through these wives, I'll quickly go over the historical accuracy of them. Yes, yeah, she was mostly seen as a bit of a dum-dum, but there are some accounts that she was actually an, a very intelligent woman and the movie doesn't really have any nuance. Then again, she's no. only in it for like two minutes, so... Yes, she dies pretty quickly, which moves us on to the fourth wife, who is also called Anne. <laughs> yep, Anne of Cleves. And she is in love with another man, so yes. she pretends to be not so great of a person, just stupid overall, not not very sexy... Just so that the king will want to divorce her. And 
that's actually they end up having a heartfelt conversation about how they don't really want to marry each other because the king at this point is also in love with someone else and they become friends and it's really fucking sweet they divorce and they're just friends now and i love it i love that friendship yeah so anne of cleves inaccurately shown to be in love with another man that was that was not a thing the real process of ending that marriage was not like the course of a single night obviously that was uh, Mm -hmm. several weeks but it you know it played for comedic effect and very successfully might i add and in the film, it's sort of attributed that she wanted to stay in England because she's in love with this other guy who lives at the court or whatever. In reality, it was most likely that she accepted the marriage and the divorce and staying in England so that she could escape the tyrannical supervision of her brother, mm. the Duke of Cleves. Um, so yeah, she did really well for herself, both in real life and in the movie. And yeah. while we're on this, Anne of Cleves was played by Charles Lafton, who plays Henry the or Henry VIII's uh, wife. Oh, how yeah. sweet. The one that he doesn't actually the one that like. He doesn't actually... So, yeah, but yeah, so funnily enough, Charles Lafton and Elsa Lanchester, uh, Henry and Anne, this, the movie was originally supposed to be about just them. It was supposed to be a, a vehicle for him and his wife. Right. And it was supposed to focus only on him and Anne of Cleves, which would have been funny because it's the least lengthy and mm-hmm. interesting one. And then the project grew and they were like, no, let's actually focus on all of, all of his wives, except Catherine of Aragon, the first one, because... <laughs> They were just weren't that interested. They were like, "Yeah, yeah, she's respectable. She was chill. Get her out of here, and let's focus on the other five. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, we have the fifth wife, who is called Catherine, as well as the sixth wife is also called Catherine. I don't yeah, know their last Ca- name. Catherine Howard. Okay, Catherine Howard. He, she is the woman that he was actually in love with from the start in the movie, at least. And yeah. she is not in love with him, but she likes being rich. So yeah. this seems to go well for a while until she kind of realizes being rich is not all all there is to life. And she actually does have a servant in the house that she is in love with. And uh, yeah, they're caught cheating on the king. Yeah, uh, which is also um, like the movie portrays her as a very mature, intelligent woman who knows the risks, which is very much an inaccuracy to just make us more sympathetic about the fact that she gets executed. Because in reality, Catherine Howard was an immature teenager of limited mm. intelligence who just severely did not realize what the fuck she was doing. Okay. So that would have been a bit of a bit of a bit of a sad, sad thing. Yeah, she was the wife that we were able to see the longest because Henry yeah. had been in love with her for a while. He's he's in love with her for like for like three wives, yeah. Yeah. And then the final wife, also Catherine, last name? Catherine Parr. Catherine Parr. We don't see a lot of her. It's more like yeah. a kind of happy ending. She's a bit... Mm... Okay, Wikipedia here describes her as a nagging tyrant, which yes, is kind of That's accurate. a bit much, but she isn't she's nagging. She's sure. supposed to be like the sort of stereotypical wife of like, "Oh, don't do this. Oh, you know it's going to, you know, fuck with you or get your blanket and be safe and yada yada." Which yeah. It's again, it's it's an inaccuracy because in reality Parr was an intellectual with a really strong interest in theology and she was very gentle mm-hmm. and Henry stayed with her because she engaged him in intellectual discussions about religion like that was sort of their thing so she was Mm. also all of the wives were done a little bit dirty in this okay uh, except maybe Anne of Cleves because she was wonderful yeah but it it was still a really good movie yeah yeah it just goes through all those wives and um I liked it quite a bit it's also I liked how they kind of put Henry as this person 
of questionable morality, like, you still are able to like him. Yeah. But you also know, like, he probably beheaded his wife without really having any reason to. He, so he's he, likable, he kind of but he's asshole, just a bit fucked up. Likeable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and he just, he's also, there's a bit of gluttony, I think. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's actually funny that you say that. I'm presuming you're talking about, like, the food stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is really funny. This movie is sort of credited with the popular image of Henry VIII being like this fat, gluttonous man who eats turkey legs and tosses bones over his shoulder or whatever. Uh-huh. Completely wrong. Like, historian Alison Weir points this out, that as a rule, Henry did not dine in the great halls of his palaces, and his table manners were highly refined. He was a most fastidious man, and for his time, unusually obsessed with hygiene. Oh, well, yeah, no, that's um, that's not what it's shown like. No, now. absolutely, and also, like, as for his pursuit of the ladies, there is plenty of evidence, but most of it fragmentary because Henry was really discreet and prudish. Huh. Which I we see, can I sort see. of see a little bit in the scene where he's like, he's going to seduce Catherine first, Catherine one, yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be super super discreet and no one's gonna see me, and every step yeah. he takes, everyone's like, the king's guard, and it's like, oh for fuck's yeah, sake, yeah, it's so funny. I have this note as well. No one saw me, Catherine. I swear, immediately cuts to the entire guard spying, spying, standing at the door. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah, it's fucking incredible. Uh, there's some singing in there, but it's not lip synced very well, which no, it, is a bit really awkward. Isn't. Yeah, but they try. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's almost all. I do have some quotes. One of which is the last line, which I think you are gonna have to explain to me because I didn't get it. Uh huh. Um, because he ends up with saying six wives, and the best of them's the worst. The best of them's the worst because essentially, if you if you were to look at all of these women, clearly this is the one he's gonna have the least fun with. But yeah. she is the most stable. Right, So exactly. she's the okay. worst person for, for him, sort of as, like, you know, the the worst compatibility-wise, but the best possible wife, because she's keeping mm. him in check. Okay, fair enough. That's that's what the, what the line is supposed to imply. And then I have one more quote that is funny to me. <laughs> Go for it. The king has taken his newborn son outside, and the maid who is also a magician, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, she comes in and she's, hmm, have you lost your wits to treat him so? And he goes, I never fought. Um, you never fought? What are brains for except to think? <laughs> she's she right. Leaves. She leaves with the sun. How dare you take him <laughs> outside when, you know, it's sunny out. Mm. I have a couple of fun facts if you want them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go. Most of the, like, personal stuff and, and relationship stuff was reasonably accurate, you know, barring the inaccuracies that I've, I've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it's good that that was accurate because they sort of refused to deal with the political and religious aspects of his reign. Anachronistically, yeah. like, the Holy Roman Empire is referred to as Germany. Uh, the UK oh. is, like, Britain is, is, is portrayed as much more united than it really was. The whole thing is slightly fucked, but... Slightly not good, but it's also very much not the focus of the movie. Yeah, so. exactly. The stuff that is the focus is mostly accurate with, you know, exceptions. Which, mm. yeah, you know, it, that's impressive. This movie, just to quickly, like, again, compare this to Little Women. This was shot in six weeks at a cost of $60,000. Um, and it made half a million. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
The, the, <laughs> this movie was so highly regarded that the ability of the cast alerted Hollywood to the wealth of talent in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. As it should. Yeah. Um, I really like that this is the first international feature to get nominated. That's just... I agree. It's a good movie. It deserves it. And we're finally getting out of America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the women in the cast are listed separately from the men in the opening credits, which is um, hmm. funny. Elsa Lanchester shares a bedroom scene with her husband, Charles Lafton, which is allowed because they're married at the time that she had been married for four hey. years. Funnily enough, it was, you, code. It, it was by all accounts an open marriage, but regardless... It was a marriage, so... It was a marriage, so... Great stuff. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it. Exactly. Um, they didn't have the budget to build sets, so they just went to actual castles. They were just like, well, we'll Heck yeah. film it on location, fuck it. Um, some sets were half-built out of necessity, so if an actor moved off his mark, uh, it, the slats would show the sides. <laughs> it, it is what it is. <laughs> it's really funny to me uh, we know that Henry is depicted as a sort of like glutton with appalling table manners which means that this is one of the first mainstream movies to feature an audible burp and and because of this for years after this movie Charles Lafton when he went to restaurants would be given no. a free roasted chicken without utensils by restaurant owners who thought it would be a really good joke <laughs> that is good I mean, so I'd go to restaurants if I got free, free chicken, chicken or burp yeah I'll eat I'll eat some free chicken and, and burp like gladly oh that is good um, it's one of the first <laughs> burps who's tracking these facts uh, IMDB baby <laughs> Uh, yeah, oh my god. Charles Lafton uh, did go back to the role of Henry VIII in uh, in Young Bess 20 years later. So, that's that's good no. stuff. Um, had Best Supporting Actor and Actress categories been established, Elsa, Elsa Lanchester probably would have copped it. Uh, but th- that was not a case until several years mm-hmm. later. Um... <laughs> Fuck everything I read about this movie. <laughs> Set designer Vincent Corda spoke no English whatsoever, and the film's British crew spoke no Hungarian, so all of the sets were constructed via sign language. Oh, what? <laughs> Wouldn't it be easier to learn English at that point? You might have said so, but no, no sign language between Corda and the crew. Um. It was very difficult to raise the budget for the film because at the time period films were considered to be box office poison, but I'd say after this year that's been fixed. Mm-hmm. A little interesting one is that the role of Henry VIII, and I'm going to quote this directly, has traditionally been catnip to Academy voters. Because Charles Lafton won an Oscar for his portrayal and both Robert Shaw and Richard Burton, who portrayed him in later movies, received nominations for playing Henry VIII. It's just one of those things. Oh. So yeah, Charles Lafton's portrayal of, of Henry VIII was the first foreign performance to win uh, uh, an Academy Award nomination, and also the Academy Award. Uh, like he he got both in the same year. So mm. good job, well done. And this might be my favorite scene, but it's a really, really, or my favorite fun fact, but it's a really odd one. Charles Lafton was a method actor. Oh, so he was beheading woman. No, well, 
um, oh. a- according um. <laughs> according to Binny Barnes, who plays Catherine Howard, there there were some scenes with um oh well not scenes because they don't necessarily share any scenes, but um when Wendy Barry, who plays first Anne, when she giggled too much during a scene, and Charles got irritated, he would just bite her on the arm. Like real, like real Yo. Henry did when he was angry with his wives. Uh, so yeah, just what? bite her and actually like make her bleed, like breaking skin. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. You really shouldn't, should you? But uh, Mister me- Method Actors, you know. So yeah. No, no, no. You're the method, though. No. So yeah, last fun fact about this movie is that the tagline was he gave he <laughs> he gave his wives a pain in the neck. <laughs> which is <laughs> which is beyond fucking funny. To that me. is good. That's good. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's the private life. That's of Henry the private VIII. life of Henry VIII. Okay. Okay. So our next movie, she done him wrong. She done him wrong, which I really immediately liked the title of. Yeah, I liked the title a lot. No <laughs> fucking clue what went on in the movie. Nah, just. No. No, it's bad. Not a clue. I don't know why. I don't know why it was nominated for an Oscar because I don't think it should be. No. Uh, I also I grabbed the Wikipedia for this one. Yeah, can you explain to me what the fuck happens in this movie? Yes. So we have the main character who is called Lou. Yeah. And she is a woman that likes diamonds a lot. She, there's a lot of men around her, and there's so many characters, but to quickly go through them, there's them, I don't know all of their names, so you're just gonna have to deal with the fact that I'm just gonna call uh-huh, them something. Uh-huh. The guy that she is currently getting her diamonds from, I can't tell if they have a romantic relationship, I don't think so. He is getting the money for that through prostitution, it's bad, but Lou doesn't know about that. Uh-huh. So the police are after him, basically, but they don't really have evidence yet. And there's a guy that's next door that's like an undercover police agent um, who she falls in love with. And uh, then you have the third man that is important is a guy that is her ex and he is in prison, but he escapes and then he is very angry about the fact that she has, you know, now has romantic relationships with the police officer. Mm-hmm. And he tries to kill Lou, but she manages to get out of it. And then the police guy catches her and they can be happy ever after together. And they also catch the guy that did uh, the prostitution I'm so deeply confused still. There's also another ex of hers somewhere in there, but I'm just going to pretend like he doesn't exist because it's just going to complicate the story even further. Yeah, no, but fair there, enough. Is, there is another ex of hers uh, in the movie. Uh, th- the only things I remember about this movie is that they had a character called Cummings, hee-hee, and they had a character yes, called Spider. Officer. Yep. Like Avatar. Yep. I didn't even... Oh... I didn't even think about that. Oh. Unbelievable. God damn. Just to clarify, this movie is one hour and four minutes. Yeah, and it's... And a um... solid... I think at least a solid 20 minutes are her singing songs that have nothing to do with the movie. Like, it's not a musical. It's not... It's just her going on stage and singing in the bar that she's working uh, in for the guy. 
that gives her the diamonds currently. Yeah. Uh, so realistically, the story is like 40 minutes. And there's too many characters for that. There's too much shit going on. And at the same time, there's nothing going on. But because... Ugh, yeah, it also it takes is, um, a long time for them even to get started on all of this. It is, as far as I'm aware, the uh, the shortest uh, Best Picture nominee ever. Ah, that makes sense. Um, did not do them very good to be that short because... Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, she also, Lou accidentally murders a woman somewhere in the Oh, middle. yeah, as you do. Yeah, exactly. I, I do like Lou as a character a lot. She is so... And the actress that portrays her because she's so... I don't know how to describe it. She has like this accent and This is true. She is very confident. very very likable to watch. Yeah, I yeah. love watching her. Um and apparently it was also written by her, I think, the movie. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, it it was actually. Yeah. Uh it was uh based on her her successful Broadway play. Hmm. So yeah, I I like her as an actress a lot and her clothing was really cool because it was a lot of diamonds and a lot of mm-hmm. pretty dresses. It was fun to look at. Good job on the costume design and getting the budget for probably fake diamonds, but still, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, I, no. I think you're going to like the actress even more when we get into the fun facts. Just, just some quick ones here is the fact that she very aggressively refused to allow any changes to her play. Uh, the Hays Code declared it banned from the screen and repeatedly demanded changes, but the, the they finally allowed it under the condition that the play would not be referred to in publicity or advertising, which is why it isn't like referred to as like uh, based on the play by uh, mm. by Mae West. And Mae West was she made it a point to act with Black American actors and actresses, helping to break racial discrimination. Uh, Louise oh. Beavers, who plays Pearl, the the maid question mark, mm-hmm. th- yeah. is uh, was was brought on board by West personally, and stuff like this on her stage shows resulted in her arrest. There was there was saucy material, oh. and having Black actors on stage was extremely controversial. So the fact that oh. she pulled this through. Um, like she had a contract with Paramount after this, and in most of her films after this one, she got more black stars in. So, I do love her for supporting that cause, but in this movie, it didn't work out. Oh very yeah, no, well because the maid yeah. was also oh, no, yeah. oh, that mm. you know high stereotypical voice that you Hollywood know from... Hollywood black accent. Yeah, yes, speaking with gram- grammar that just isn't correct and, and exactly. Yeah, but I'm. That I, I just I just really like her intentions. That I I yeah slay Mae West. Execution, but intentions real good. Yeah. Um, we, this is a really short. I don't even have that many fun facts about this. So if you have any, uh, you know, any any notes. Um, I don't think I took any screenshots either. I, <laughs> I mean, it's good that we have one movie that we can kind of kind of just through, rush uh, through. I yeah. I think to sum it up. What I put is interesting story, love Lou, boring execution. Fully agree. Uh, you know, it's it's good that we're rushing through it because the creators also did. It was shot in approximately three weeks. <laughs> it was rushed into production because they knew it would fall foul of the censors, but uh, it, they needed a surefire hit Yeah. because they were experiencing financial difficulties. And this was really controversial, so this was the nearest thing they had to a guarantee, and it, it worked. It proved to be a, a runaway hit. Hmm. Yeah, the censors in Australia, Austria, and Finland rejected it. It was banned in Atlanta. Um, was it? it was really not <laughs> not. It has some dark appreciated. themes. It does indeed have some uh, some dark themes. 
It could have, I think it really could have been good if it had been longer and less of her going on stage singing about nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's the only May West film to receive an Academy Award nomination, and I think mm. that's just because of the level of um, controversy around it. Yeah, um, May West, like as an, a testimony to how sexy she wanted to be, she was sewn into most of her costumes. That's how tight they were. Oh my god! Yeah, and my biggest fun fact I have about this movie, which I think is an incredibly fun fact, is that this movie was cited. Uh, or May West, but this movie specifically was cited as one of the major reasons for the necessity of the formation of the National Legion of Decency. <laughs> now, I don't know if you know what the National Legion of Decency is. Well, I didn't either. So I had a quick little Google. It's also known, and literally, listen, I'm not even going to have to explain more when I tell you what it's also known as. So do you want to want to have a little guess? I mean, it's probably everything that Mae West isn't. Um. <laughs> just have a just have a guess. Just have a gander. What this could be. What the Committee of with. Decency does. The National Legion of Decency. Have a little. Have a little. A little. Little guess as to what they're associated with. I have no idea. Well, the National Legion of Decency, also known as the Catholic Legion of Decency. Oh. There we go. Uh, was mm-hmm. founded in 1934 by Archbishop of Cincinnati John T. McNicholas as an organization dedicated to identifying objectionable content in motion pictures on behalf of Catholic audiences. Members I were see. asked to pledge to patronize only those motion pictures which did not offend decency and Christian morality. I see, I see. So yeah, that's uh, that's she done him wrong. <laughs> yeah guys don't watch this one it's not worth the it's hour worth it. um it's really not worth it good concept i like the whole idea that's going on I, I i like all the different roles that all the men have around her because it's interesting yeah, it how is. all of them have a different relationship to her but none of them are fleshed out enough to the point where it's interesting yeah fully agree all right, let's just move on then. Let's just let's just, let's move, just move, move on, on to, the to next smiling one. through. Smiling through, which is for both of us, it should be the one we watched, watched most, most recently. recently. Yeah, we watched a slightly scuffed. Like our, <laughs> there was some corruption in yeah. our video files, so we we missed a few small scenes, but nothing too big or important. I, I read up on Wikipedia to be Same. sure if we missed anything, yeah. but there really wasn't anything that we missed. Um, it's with Norma Shearer. Woo! She's back. We love. We her. are girly. I love her a lot. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah, it's essentially it's about uh, it's about a, a, a man called John. He was in love with a woman called Moon Yan, Moon Jean, Moon Yin. What Moon kind Yin. of a name? I was, what did look? Who it's is a cool name, Moon Yin. Moon Yin. Spelled M O O N Y E A N. Moon Yin has died, sadly, and he sometimes talks to her ghost. Now, Moon Yin has a sister, and her sister has a child. But when Moon Yin's sister dies. One of one of John's close friends pawns the child off on him. He's like, "Listen, this is Moon Yin's last surviving relative. They want to throw her in an orphanage. You're gonna bond with this kid. And you're gonna adopt it." And he's like, oh, "Fine, I guess." And he does. He fucking loves this kid. So as this kid grows up, she meets this other person called Kenneth, and it turns out that Kenneth is the son of the man who killed Moon Yeen. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's crazy, and it's tragic, and it's wild. So, essentially, John and this daughter, what's it, Kathleen? 
John and Kathleen get into this massive argument. She's like, but he's not his father. And John is like, you will never, ever have anything to do with this man, ever. And it's, it's you know, it's a, a star-crossed lover story. Um, yeah, it's a bit, it's a little bit, just, yeah, star-crossed yeah. lovers. Romeo and Juliet, you know. Yeah, and there's some, there's some you know, cheeky war stuff in there as well, obviously. That Kenneth, yeah. Kenneth goes to war. He has to go to war. And he comes back from the war. With bad legs. With bad legs, <laughs> Yeah, um, not as bad as she done him wrong, but not very interesting either. Yeah, I quite liked it. I thought it was quite good, but just in comparison to the absolute gold we've had, it, it yeah. just it lands quite low on the list. It's far from bad. I I really enjoyed yeah. a lot of this. I thought it was visually very impressive because they do a lot of stuff with like ghosts and and mm. transitions oh, yeah. and like the that. Ghosts the, are like transparent. The scene at the end with the entire garden party as ghosts as the carriage mm. takes off, like whoa, good stuff. Um, so visually super cool. Story wise, yeah. just not that it's that fine. much like substance to it. Yeah, it's fine. It's kind of similar to a lot of other movies we've had in other uh, in earlier years i think yeah that are romans based but it's not bad by any means far and from I it do you think the drama in it is quite good you know yeah. uh john is very annoying but he's meant to be yeah like shut the fuck up this guy didn't kill your wife he didn't the, the reason that works is because every other character in the movie goes can you shut the fuck up about this for five seconds <laughs> yeah. can you just not be a dick even even his dead wife at some point shows yes. up and is like, can you stop being an stop asshole? Doing this. Because otherwise, yeah. I swear to God, you are not going to meet me in the afterlife. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, nah, I'm not going to do it though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna... it, it, he does end up giving in and they do uh, end up together. Yeah, but it's, it's great. One thing that I did not like, but it was also funny. Uh-huh. Why? Why does Norma Shearer play both Kathleen and Moonyin, and why does uh, why does Frederick? No, yes, yeah, Frederick. Why does Frederick March play both Kenneth and Jeremy? So they both so play like their, their own ancestors, their own selves, their own ancestors, and it is it is the reason like, for this. No, this makes perfect sense to me. Do you want to know why this makes perfect sense yeah. to me? Because the whole point of Kathleen and the reason that John doesn't want her to fuck about with Kenneth is because Kathleen reminds him so exactly of Moon Yin and subversely Kenneth looks exactly like Jeremy so it's to him besides the fact that you know this son who is who who this is the son of the man who killed my wife it's also essentially what you're seeing there is the guy who killed your wife messing around with your wife okay I do like that, but I hadn't seen the movie as being that strongly from John's point of view because there are so many scenes with just uh, Norma Shearer and Frederick March. Oh, yeah, no, I, I don't think it was necessarily from his point of view. It was more so, like, that we could, you know, feel that, that sort of set up that connection. It happens a lot where people play their own ancestors, um, mm -hmm. but for this one I felt it was especially quite a poignant choice. I don't know, it's the first time I've seen it, so I'm, you know, I only saw this movie today, so I'm not going to do a definitive conclusion on That's what fair. I thought about that part yet, I don't think. But first time I saw it, my initial reaction was, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. <laughs> 
quick little fun fact to insert here is that um, way way back when this movie was made, they didn't credit actors for double roles, so both of them were only mm. credited as Kathleen and Kenneth, not as Moonyin and Jeremy. I yeah, sure. It's them, but uh, not officially. It's them, but <laughs> is it? <laughs> I have one quote from this. I don't have too many notes on it, um, but I do have. <clears throat> They're on a date. Yeah. Kathleen and Kenneth uh, and they're at this place where they always go back to this place basically and there's an old lady and uh, she is giving them dumplings and she goes my mother taught me to bake my word she was a one to bake and her dumplings oh you just put your fork into them and they went poofed and then just a few moments (laughs) Uh later Kenneth has to go to the war and they're they're like, this is our last day. We should we should be normal about it. We should not yeah. be crying. And Kathleen goes, no use. I feel like one of Mrs. Pinkummy's dumplings. <laughs> I, I've gone poofed. <laughs> yep, it's really good. I don't really have any notes or anything besides that. I thought it was a pretty good movie. And I nice. like the drama quite a bit. Yeah, but I agree. as you said, it just doesn't compete with some of the others we've yeah, seen. Yeah, this is this is really not a bad movie. It's just been a really strong year. Yeah. Well, I have a few fun facts. It's a, a few small ones. It grossed quite well. Grossed about half a million dollars at the time, which oh. translates to you know, eleven point something million uh, today. Mm-hmm. So great stuff. Uh, it was brought back. It was re-released in 1935 uh, due to public demand. So people love this. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm happy for it. Um, this movie was remade in 1941. It wasn't a shot-for-shot remake, but it does incorporate several key scenes, and it changes the war from being the First World War to the Second World War, which I thought was oh, actually okay. a, a quite an interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was also filmed in Technicolor. Hmm. Yeah, whole thing was based on a play, which uh, got I think 175 performances. It ran from uh, December to May from 1919 to 1920 so that was uh, was pretty solid and here's my lovely little favorite fun fact for this one frederick march commented to his first cousin Catherine davis about working with norma shearer that yes she was a great actress and, and very professional but she could be quite difficult because she constantly expected perfection and when Catherine davis asked him oh what specifically do you mean by that he went well she was never satisfied kept having us do take after take especially our love scenes she always wanted to redo all the love scenes several times mm. um Catherine davis apparently according to uh, her, her notes wanted to ask why he supposed that she might have wanted to retake the love scenes particularly but uh she thought better of it and, and kept silent but uh uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah in case any woman out there any straight or bisexual woman out there is wondering why men are not picking up on your signals <laughs> it's because we are have been and always will be idiots she was married oh no sure but like regardless regardless yeah so yeah that's uh yeah that's another quick little movie bah, bah, which pow. leaves us with one one last, last one. movie, which is State Fair. State Fair. With Janet Gaynor, who we yes. haven't seen since the first year of the Academy Awards. I'm back so when glad she was she's a silent back. movie star. Yeah, me too. It was so cool to also see her in a not silent movie where we could hear her voice, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, phenomenal. I really, really liked this one. It was the first one me I watched, too. and it really set good, good high, uh, 
Yeah, high, high same. Steps. But listen, listen. This movie is about a bunch of things. It's about a family. They go to the state fair, and each family member has their own little story. Yeah, but I should you know, say there, there is matter. a there is a clear main character, and it's the it's the girl. Yes, Janet Gaynor. But yeah. listen, the girl doesn't matter. Nope. She falls in love with some guy. Whatever. The, the, the son, son falls in love with really some girl. Matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, falls in. Love. The mom tries to get her minced meat to win some competition and the pickles doesn't the pickles, matter but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter the because father the, the father has a God pig Morgan, he has a pig and it's all that matters okay? it's all that matters blue There's boy is <laughs> blue boy is all that matters i'm glad we can agree on this blue I boy was, for life i was listen they do a lot of shit in this movie essentially at the start the dad's like oh this pig's gonna win and the merchant goes by and he's like, oh, what, what if something happens to the pig? What if something happens to your family? And dad's like, mm-hmm. no, nothing's going to happen. It's all going to be fine. And then they fuck about. This, there is, yes. the, oh, they really make you sweat for this fucking pig. They very consistently go like, oh, the pig might be sick. It might, and I was like, no, if you kill Blue Boy, I'm going to be so sad. But it turns out exactly. Blue Boy was just in love. Blue Boy was just in love with one of the other with one of the other pigs. So every time that that pig wasn't around, he was sad, and they and they thought that the he wasn't gonna win, up. and that he was sick. But then at the competition, he was also sad because he was not near the pig. So and they were like, the other- "Oh no, this this pig sucks." But then they then they saw the pig that they're in love with, and then they did win, and he wins. He and won. wins the competition. He wins the fucking competition. So happy. I was so I don't happy. Know. I don't know if we're making any sense right now, but listen, this is not the best movie I've watched so far for this podcast, but I think this is the most invested I've oh, been in a, in a subplot at any point. Absolutely. And it's, it, it helps as well that even when we're not focused on the pig, the other subplots are not uninteresting, right? Yeah, they're also good. The girl and her fling are very similar yet completely different to the boy and his fling. Yes. It's a really interesting dynamic where they both have a, a similar thing. But because they're brother and sister, this is one of the most accurate brother and sister dynamics I've ever seen. Because they Mm -hmm. are both clearly, like, they care about each other. But also, they're like, nah, fuck you. I don't give a shit. Go do whatever the fuck you want. I'll go do my own thing. And it's great. It's phenomenal. The dad and mom as well have such a solid chemistry and relationship essentially there's a thing with her minced meat where he wants her to put, uh, was it brandy in it? Because that's the recipe. And she's like, no, I'm not going to put brandy in it. I'm a good woman. And he's like, when she's not looking, he pours the brandy in. And later she decides, oh, you know, he's actually right. Probably I should put the brandy in. So there's a double helping of brandy in this. And and Mm. they win. And essentially the only comment that's made on it afterwards is when she goes like, there was brandy in it. And he goes, how did you find out? And she was like, because I poured it in there. And he goes, we drugged yeah. the jury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't think she even re- really realizes because as he realizes, their children walk in and they can't continue the conversation. But he's like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I, really, really, really liked this. It was yeah, just... Me too. And also because, a slight spoiler maybe, but because it's true, nothing bad happens. Yeah. No, it's, that's true. Like, there's a little bit of drama around... Um, there's some romance drama. Yeah, There's some romance drama where uh, Janet Gaynor's character is called Margie and she meets this guy at the fair that she's in love with. But there's also a guy back home that's in love with her and she doesn't necessarily love him, but it's kind of they were 
set out to yeah. be in a marriage. Um, so she has to kind of choose. And then she at the fair, she ends up not choosing that guy, even though she's in love with him. But then, you know, they get back home and she gets a call and she's like, bye, everyone. I'm gonna leave y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna marry this guy that I met at the state fair. Goodbye. Yeah. The only one who doesn't really get like a super happy ending is, is the poor brother because he's like he's in love with a trapeze artist and she's just like no we can we cannot keep this going i'm so sorry bye bye and like it's so sad for this poor poor boy but it's a vibe yeah i i i liked i liked it i liked it let me see i have i have, do have some notes on this like that go gets into the specifics a bit more and a lot of them a lot of them are about not also the pig but also just the father because he is so invested like the whole movie they also explicitly say a few times if he does not win this competition he will kill himself like uh-huh. he is about who he's invested and then when the pig gets sick he will not leave the pig he's not gonna eat dinner with the rest of the family no he's gonna stay by this big side um hog officially not pig it's like they are big boys um I I immediately put I love that we're back to moving shots, which I know we have been for a year or so. But um, yeah, we're out of those boxes that we have to use for cameras because they're too loud for the sound. We can just do uh-huh. the panning again and we get into yeah. the tilts again. It's great. It's great. It's good. Um, Abel is so passionate about the hog. Abel is the father. Yeah, he's really, really passionate about the hog. <laughs> if this hog is sick, if this hog dies, I quit. <laughs> um, sick shot of Margie and Wayne's shadows in a tent as they argue. I guess it's it's not too special. It is kind of common, but they are arguing in a tent, and you only see like their shadows on the outside. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool. Margie at some point goes into the state fair on her own because her brother isn't taking her because he's busy uh, meeting up with this woman. Yeah. And she goes into the roller coaster. Where is this? Is where she meets the guy that she's gonna fall in love with. Yeah. She goes. She sits in the roller coaster next to him, and just as they go all the way up and they're dropping, this woman stands up. What is wrong with you? You are gonna die, Margie. You are <laughs> yep. gonna fucking die yep. if you stand up in the middle of a drop of a roller coaster. What is wrong with you? And so she's very scared, and that's where he's pretty smooth. This guy. This guy is. Oh, pretty this guy's really smooth. smooth. He's like, I'm going to put oh. my arm here and put your head here and then we're going to yeah. go. And it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really smooth. Okay, blue boy is up. Let's go. I have a bad feeling about this. Mm, I was terrified he was just going to drop dead. This is the most invested I've ever been in a B-plot. Please, blue boy. Blue boy's just down bad. Yes, blue boy. Blue boy. <laughs> One of the horses in the movie is called Depression, which I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a cute love story, but Abel, show, uh, Abel and the pig uh, stole the show. I do have... Wait. I Yeah, I have quotes. One, I think. One quote. Okay. The woman that the brother is, you know, flirting around with has just a very good quote, I think, is... I just do the things I want to do if it don't hurt anyone. Mm. And that's how we should all live life, man. Damn Just right. Just do the things you want to as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. Yeah. Though very pre-code because she was very much implying, oh yeah, I sleep around. Was she? Yes. Oh. Well, that means <laughs> that quotes. God damn it. I was so, I was so philosophical there. 
I'm just, so sorry. I'm so, <laughs> so sorry for ruining this for this you. Is so upsetting. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I have some fun facts. Yeah. Go, yeah. Just well, first of all, it was based off a book, and the book is a lot sadder. Um, oh. Mostly in the sense that both of the children, in the end, break up with their respective state fair loves and go back to their partners mm. and that's that's it that's it that's how it ends the book um whereas in the movie you know margie gets her little happy ending thing which is yeah i, I did like it i i did yeah, like that. at least you know there was there was that at least one of them yeah um which is in the in the book also really interesting because abel is like hey blue boy won the grand prize the family had a good time i won my bet and nothing bad happened and the storekeeper pays his bet, but it's insinuated that he looks at the children and is like, oh, something worse than anything you can think of happened, and Abel doesn't know. No. Which, I, I do like that a lot. It's very, yeah. a bit more dark, but I, I do like it. Yeah, so this movie was very clearly made pre-code. Uh, there's a lot of scenes that are in here that were cut uh, for the, uh, I think, the re-release in, in 1934. Mm-hmm. The biggest scene that was cut is uh, a, a scene where um, I think it's Emily and uh, Wayne, like the the son and his trapeze girlfriend. There's like a messy bed and a negligee on the floor while they're talking off screen. So it mm-hmm. was like it was sort of insinuated that they they were fucking. Um, I see. And also, I mean, I think it was also insinuated. Yeah. Yeah, and also in the. Um, original novel the daughter and the reporter also sex um, but that was that oh, was cut out yeah. as well yeah there's a lot of sentences in here that sort of prove the, the pre-code um margie insinuates some sexual frustration with her boyfriend early in the movie that the that quote from emily that i'm not a wild woman and i'm not a tame one i just do the things i want to do if it don't hurt anyone Mm-hmm. The very heavy-handed symbolism of Wayne losing his virginity by Emily taking off her robe, and then she she comes back wearing this erotic sort of nightgown with a butterfly mm-hmm. on the back, yeah. um, which obviously, you know, and also how incredibly homopositive this movie is. The fact that Abel is like, or, or Wayne is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sleep with my friend. Uh, and Abel's like, you've been sleeping with that dude for three nights. You know, you should be paying rent. And his mother goes, oh, I bet you boys just fool around and don't get a wink of sleep. Which I'm sure was insinuated more in the sense of like, mm. you know, oh, you guys are just boys being boys. But the Hayes Code is very strict on these things. So they would have cut down if it was, you know. Right, right. Yeah. My absolute favorite of the whole thing, though, is when... Um, <laughs> when Abel is like the the dad is like oh we should go look at these sexy showgirls and the mum stares at them for so much longer than he does uh-huh. she is staring their reactions are they are thinking the same thing but their reactions are different because she just keeps staring but he is like I don't want to go in but like if you want to and she doesn't react and then he goes again like like I don't really have to but if you want if you want to but clearly he he wants to he yeah wants... but also she is like you know I do want she's to she's also but like she yeah very you're going. clearly wants to it's amazing um I have one more fun fact my favorite fun fact about this movie which is that for for the background material of this movie Director Henry King and crew were invited to the 1932 State Fair in Des Moines, Iowa. And afterwards, they purchased three hogs 
including grand champion pig Dyke of Rosedale, who they then cast as Blue Boy. As Blue Boy! So he's an Yo. actual prize-winning hog. Let's go. Amazing stuff. Yeah, good movie. Good so, yeah, movie. Good movie. So yeah, that's our... Uh, that's our movies. That's, that's our movies. That's all of them. All ten of them. All fucking ten of them. All fucking ten of them. Yeah, it, it was a journey. It was a journey and it had highs and lows. I it think did. last year we had a very strong year. Mm-hmm. And this year we did as well, but with a few downs. Yeah, this year the highs were really high and the lows were a bit lower. Yeah, a bit lower. And not I would not still bad. not say like super super low. Wouldn't say any of them were bad. Um, it's like we're not talking Trader Horn here. No, but... we're not talking Trader Horn, no. <laughs> or Chang. Or Chang. <laughs> it's not that bad, but uh Yeah, just not yeah. as not as great. Shall we first do some honorable mentions? Are there any? I don't necessarily immediately have any honorable mentions. I'm gonna have a quick little gander through the list um but i I can't i don't have any off the top of my head um i also don't really have any honorary awards there there was some scientific or technical ones for uh work in sound reproduction and film projection but uh yeah nothing that we would immediately sort of Mm -hmm. jump at uh what is interesting is there's a lot of overlap obviously because it's 1932 still because we had a Mm -hmm. 17 month eligibility period uh, so yeah. a lot of these I will have like a lot of things that I'm like oh this is a, an honorable mention I'll have mentioned it already yeah um, there was a there was a pre-code adaptation of the monkey's paw do you know the monkey's paw no we're not gonna fruit, go fruit is again right we're not gonna do treasure island surely again. you not no come on have you had <laughs> have you did you have high school English Yes. Did you not have to read The Monkey's Paw? No. I am going to shit myself. <laughs> what do you mean you haven't heard of The Monkey's Paw? <laughs> this is just Treasure Island all over I again. am going to have a, a stroke. <laughs> oh. Anyway, it was lost. It was lost until it was posted online <laughs> in 2016, but it is dubbed in French. So. Oh. Uh, <sighs> Um, let's see. We had an adaptation of uh, Alice in Wonderland. You know oh, Alice in Wonderland, had... right? You know that one? I do know that one, but we Good. also had one of those last year. Oh, it might be might have been the same one. Might be again, the same one. Eligibility period. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's the the only major live action Hollywood theatrical production to to adapt the original Alice stories because oh. the other live action Hollywood production is uh is the Tim Burton one, and that's a sequel. Yeah, the one we talked about last time was Alice in Wonderland, the first time that it was adapted to on sound um i'm now starting to doubt whether we were talking about alice last time or maybe oh. you mistook it for wizard of oz no 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 this was a fact you mentioned with this i learned <laughs> i listened to this in the edit i know the difference between wizard of oz and okay anyway that was you my honorable <laughs> Yeah, do you want to do, 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 do you want to do our lists, or do you want to do the yeah, for sure? Yeah, I think I'll we'll do our list. Okay, so ten ten to one, I I'd say at the bottom is, is she done him wrong for me, and I'm guessing. Wait, which one? She done him wrong. 
Yeah, same. Yeah, not because it was bad, but just because everything it, else. Was no, bad. it was kind of bad. It was just <laughs> it was good. No, yeah, it was it was a good idea, but it was kind of bad in execution. I just really liked the main actress. But that's fair. Yeah, and then second for me is probably smiling through. Mm. Oh, ah, no, actually, a farewell to arms. Yeah, me too. Nine, nine, number nine is uh, farewell to arms. Yeah. Which would number eight would be uh, smiling through? Would be smiling through. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And then number seven for me becomes. Oh. Oh, this is hard. Yeah, I'm gonna say oh, probably. Oh fuck! This is really hard. Probably cavalcade. From like number one to number seven, I like all of them yeah. quite a bit. Ooh, um, for me, it's gonna be Lady for a Day, which was very fun, but that was all it was. Very fun. I'm gonna stick Cavalcade there, and I'm gonna stick Lady for a Day on six. Yeah, I'll put Cavalcade on number six. Yeah. And then I think both of us probably Chain Gang on Chain number Gang five. Chain Gang on five, absolutely. Okay. And here's okay. where we're gonna split off. Yeah, Because 40, so 42nd well. Street is my... Uh, no, actually, wait. What's what am I missing? State, State Fair, Forty Second Street, Private Life of Henry, and uh, Little Woman. Yeah, no, Forty Second Street is my number four. Then extremely upsetting. But I, know, I get but it. What else <laughs> uh, is my I number do? four is Private Life of Henry VIII. Yeah, my number three is going to be State Fair. My number three is also State Fair. My number two is going to be the Private Life of Henry VIII. My number two is Little Woman. <sighs> I mean, it makes sense, Sorry. but yeah. Sorry, no. but no, my number one. Is I Little gotta Woman. go. It has to yeah, be Yeah, your number, number one, one has to be Little Woman. I totally get it. I, I, it's a very solid number two for me. But the amount of joy I got from Forty Second Street and <laughs> the fact that I've just gone to people <laughs> like yesterday, I was with a friend and I, I just put, put like the performances of um, I'm Young and Healthy and the final performance of 42nd street knowing which friend you're talking about i'm sure she deeply appreciated this she was like i think you've seen too many 1930s movies this is not she's got that right man she's so right what the fuck are we doing (laughs) come on why am i recommending to people the private life of henry the eighth from 1933 you don't understand it's important it's good though it's so good it's really good so yeah out of these 10 which do you think took the big one okay gonna do a little bit of analysis here go for it analyze what i've noticed so far is that they really like bombastic movies but they generally don't go with the same genre two years in a row Mm -hmm. which well there's nothing really like grand hotel from last year in here anyway so that doesn't help me much little woman was a very big hit so that would not surprise me but it would also not surprise me if it was more war related so maybe like a cavalcade or 42nd Street. That was also really big. Really big. Hmm. Lots of good options, but only one can take the award. I do think it's between those three. Uh, I'll give least. you... Well, I'm not sure if this is going to be a hint or not. Uh, the, the winning film took home three Academy Awards. Okay. It was the biggest winner this year. Then it's not Cavalcade. I think... No, it cannot be Cavalcade, even though that is something that I think would typically win. But it has to be between 
the biggest successes of the year, which was 42nd Street and Little Woman, and our favorites because our taste is so good. Um, <laughs> mm, I'm gonna say 42nd Street then. Yeah, so those words about our taste being good, you're gonna eat that because it was cavalcade. Oh. Fuck! <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I knew it was a possibility, but. It was our bad. number seven. Seven, okay. I mean. Yeah. It it falls in line with it makes like sense, really right? big movies, and also it is about the war, which is obviously in this year. It's getting to be a very relevant topic. So it is. Um, it is. The, it is the third movie within, like, well, within this this podcast. Out of the, out of the six movies we've had so far, the six winners, three of them have been war movies. Yes. Yeah. And I think all of them have been like of big proportion. It's never been no. well, maybe not Broadway Melody. That but was other than reasonably big in the sense reasonably of... big, but not like I'm. I'm really talking big casts and oh, no, that's true. a lot yeah. of characters and a lot of budget and you know, yeah. it, it really tends to be those kind of movies, which still could have been Forty Second Street. To be fair, that was also very big, but um, yeah. yeah, I I don't agree. I don't agree, but I get it. Yeah, the fact that we put this uh, in number seven, but it won, it means that technically. We've got worse taste than Adolf Hitler. So there's a fucking note to end on. There's a there's your. Well, that's that's not a great way to end. Thank you for listening to this episode. No, no, no. I was gonna ask, what else did it win? Uh, oh, uh, it also won Best Director, which I told you about. This little little anecdote, and it also won Best Art Direction, which I guess is fair. Uh, the other, the only other multiple award winner this year was A Farewell to Arms, which won Best Cinematography oh, and um, Best Something Else. Wait, what? I get the cinematography, to be fair. Cinematography and sound that recording. Was okay. No, I get those. Fair get enough, those, yeah. Actually. Those are, those is are there any fair. other movies that we watched that won something? Uh, Little Women won Best Adaptation, because of course it would. Of course uh, it does. Come on now. Best actor went to Charles Lafton for for Henry VIII, hmm. uh, but beyond that, nothing that we uh, we really first win watched. for English yep. uh, actor. Then I think yep, Indeed okay, it's pretty sick. Well, it was a very good year. Yeah, it was. Overall, it was really good. Yeah, I had yeah. a good time, and uh, I hope you listener at home had a good time. If you want. To help us out anyway, if you like this, give us a little review. Yeah. And um, uh, you can check us out on all the socials as just I'd like to thank my wife. Mm-hmm. We're everywhere now. Um, I do want you to mentally prepare for next next month. Oh. We've got 12 movies. Ah, yeah. I looked this up. I was like, oh, it's 10 movies this month. That's kind of a lot. I hope it's going to be less. And then it no. just became 12. It's 12. 12. 12. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a very interesting, really quick one for next month is the fact that, you know, when, when we were talking about, like, the divorcee a few years back, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, I can't find the divorcee, but I can find this movie called The Gay Divorcee. We're watching it next month. Ayo! I'm Ayo! very excited. So, yeah. Yes, let's go. Yeah, we'll see you in 1935. Yeah, thank- wait, wait, you're skipping our outro. We'd like to thank... <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Uh, as always, we'd like to thank our wives and the Academy. And the Academy. And uh, we'll see you next year at the 7th Academy Awards in 1934. 1935. Bye. Five. <laughs>
Not five, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to episode six of I'd Like to Bang My Wife. New episodes are out every last day of the month. If you're looking for something to watch this month, Tigo recommends a night before Christmas to take you from the spooky season into the festive season. I recommend Sweet Dreams, a movie with an art house feel to it, and it's a bit spooky in its own right, although maybe not specifically in a Halloween sense. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our show, and we'll see you next month.